with a bang. It's the CBS Sports State of Combat podcast with the Brian Campbell. And it has been a long time since we rock and rolled. You know what we're here to talk about. Let's talk math. Let's talk boxing. But first, listen to our opinions, all right? They're better than your own. BC, your boy, back at it. I know, guys. I know. It's been weeks, maybe even a month since we opened up this box. All right? It's a cruel, cruel summer. But we are back. Some changes in our personal lives. Nothing changes on this show, though. All ridiculousness in boxing is welcome. Get ready for your injection of that performance-enhancing audio. I'm not going to sell you anything. I'm not going to remind you if we get the five-star review. I just want to talk to my boxing broham. Let me bring him in here. He is a New York Times bestselling author, a Filipino TV icon, and protector of all things cruiserweights. It's Rafe Bartholomew. Let me lick you up. I want to lick you down. Brian Campbell. Talking skinhead stuff. Oh, oh. We do boxing here. Box, box, box. Brian, it is an honor to be speaking to one of the top 25 skinhead MMA podcasting superstars on the internet. Thank you. Thank you. It is, uh, this is such, such, such a a special occasion to, to talk about the boxing with you and stop rolling around on the mat like a couple with uh, with the other skinhead white guys how is the morning combat treating you watch two grown men with panties on wrestling i mean i'm from the hood we don't we don't play that all right well we do play that boxing is a hood sport that is true angel garcia will tell you we do play that every monday at 12 eastern on the below the belt on showtime Digital channels when Morning Combat with Luke Thomas and myself talks about combat sports, mostly though MMA. I know it's not your scene, Rafe. I know it'll be another project I am a part of that you will not watch in the end. But Rafe, great to be reunited with you, my friend. People, they were outraged. They thought we did finish. Not we should. They thought we did finish. Although not in, in, in that way. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. Um, but the reality is, I mean, God, Rafe, one morning I'm in my office. I hear a knock on the window. I pull up the shade. Alex Godinez. He's like, I walked 80,000 miles to find out when this show is back on. But obviously, shout out to our passionate listeners, the quality blokes, the Godinez heads, uh, the Irish crew, uh, the Omaha crew. Shout out to Omaha, Nebraska. The crew. But, Rafe, we're back. And during that time off, you had a big life change. Do you want to tell the people? You're uh Absolutely, Brian. So, you know, we we all know that I have a problem with the liquid crack, the the diet sodas. And you know, I I just got to thinking I need to make this addiction work for me and a little bit more. And so I I I had to find a state where I could get a 10 cent deposit on all these cans <laughs> I'm producing. <laughs> And that is, that state is Michigan. There's only one state in the, the, the great union that offers that. And so I had to move to greater Detroit where I am now collecting cans, drinking that liquid crack. And I'm going to, my teeth may fall out, 
but I am going to be pulling goodly on that 10 cent deposit. Champ, you're going to need about five or 10 more of them cans, I think. Um, you really packed up your car last week, put the dog in the back seat and drove from Los Angeles to Detroit, Rafe. That's right. Stops in Vegas to pick up my cousin. Stops in Denver after that. Stops in shout out to Omaha, Nebraska, <laughs> where I wanted to visit Terrence Crawford Street or Avenue or Boulevard. I forget exactly what it's called. I have looked it up area, on the Google right? Maps. Um, did not get to make it there because my cousin, who is vegan, had to stop at the vegan cafe in Omaha for oh, dinner. Oh, boy. Uh, did he get some so not, soy, Rafe? Did he, did he, yeah, I mean, that's well, not. He doesn't, he doesn't, he's, he's way beyond soy. He's all oat milk and, uh, I mean, he's, he's on that new news. That's stuff. not how men do it. Jehovah's a real man. All right. All right. Let me remind you of that. Um, congratulations on this move, Rafe. Um, does this make you, Eminem, and Matthew Stafford the only white people in Detroit? I mean, I look, you see this Fago that I'm holding right here, brother? Yes. yes. Don't forget about the insane clown posse. Wow. <laughs> oh, Michigan is a, a boxing hotbed, at least on the lower levels, right? It's produced Clarissa Shields, Floyd Mayweather. The Durrell brothers. Peter Quillen. Uncle Durrell. Yeah. That's just not accept. That is just not, wow. That is, uh, yeah. Oh, wow. My, oh, my goodness gracious. My gosh. That's inappropriate to say. That's assault, you guys. Um, speaking of assault by liquid, um, do you drink tap water in Detroit? I don't know where you're going. I, the the water here is supposed to be very good, and I have been drinking it. I don't know if you're you're going in that other direction. I was just wondering how far the the Flint crisis goes. I did talk to Anthony Durrell the other day on the set of PBC Face to Face in Los Angeles, and this is a big part of his community involvement, Rafe. I for me, I thought you were gonna play some kind of funny soundbite there. I don't even know what, what, what am I. What am I, clown? What, what am I here, here for you to laugh at, Rafe? But yeah, yeah. Why don't you go get your shine box, Campbell? All right, hey, all right. Hey, let's start off the show the right way, the way we always do it early. Let's do the bird call. Morning bird call. I mean, Rafe, it's sweet. Yes, yeah, sweet. Okay, thanks, thanks, Angel. Um, that's the. Uh, I mean, we haven't even like reacted to things like. Areola and Kovnatsky. Somebody did get beat by a man with them things. But uh we got so much to talk about, Rafe. So little time. I don't even have a rundown for this show. I don't even know who's fighting this weekend. We will find out if you care at the end of the show. But let's just wing it. Throw around some topics. We will have a guest, though. A fantastic guest. A Hall of Fame guest. Farheads Unite. Steve Farhood of Showtime will stop by to get us fired up. For Friday Night Showbox card and, 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 and hit all the high notes around the world of boxing news. But, um, Rafe, what else is going on in your life? How is the athletic? Going very well, you know, working on some stories. Uh, you see, we, you know, we're killing it with the, it's the slow time in boxing. That's kind of why it's another reason why we've been off for a couple weeks. So we're, we're, we're keeping the chains moving at the athletic, coming out with the big, the big lists that people like. You know, I mean, those things are, those things are like, those are liquid crack for the internet. Well, speaking uh, of Coppinger those... with, with the, with the blockbuster yesterday of the 25 power players in boxing, missing Brian Campbell, missing Missing Steve Farhood. Missing, uh, I mean. Dan Rayfield. I, I, wow, really? 
Yeah. I mean, I, I heard about this list. Sounded boring. Yeah. Oh, how dare you? Let everybody talk about it the next day. Still sounded boring. Actually, I enjoyed reading it. Mike did put a lot of effort into it. Were you surprised at all? We're going to something we're going to hit Steve Farhood up with later, but, uh, Al Heyman, number one. I mean, we, I mean, do you, how quick can I be on the sound bite, right? Al Heyman, a goat. Um, deserve it? It's hard to argue with that. What, Can- Canelo was number two, right? I think that yes. would be the only way you would go other than Heyman. Heyman, I think, because he controls so many fighters, is is still in the driver's seat. Um, but Canelo, as a, he, he, he can point that giant laser beam of ginger dollars at anything and, and really change the direction of the sport. It's, it's, it's sort of a, uh, the, I could see you making an, an, an argument for, for that, but it's also because Canelo is flexing all of that power right now. He is just maxing out on all of his heel goodness to, 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 to piss off everyone in the sport and do whatever the hell he wants. Don't be surprised if Canelo says, you know what, player, I've been, I've been running the streets fighting you know, you twice fighting Danny Jacobs, moving up in weight. I'm going to fight somebody else. Yeah, we're going to find that out. That's a topic we will get into this week. Uh, Super Agent Nick Khan in that top five, along with Eddie Hearn, Bob Arum, the usual suspects. The only real surprise was Dana White being so high, even though uh, he hasn't done anything. Oh, he was. I, I forgot he was. I thought he wasn't on there. Shoot. Uh, besides, uh, you know, more to come. Of course, he was a big part of that Maymac fight. Um, all right, Rafe, we're going to get into all that. First, though, Rafe, we're going to get into a word from our friends and sponsors. Yeah, how about that, right? Dig it. And we're back. BC, Rafe Bugs. Wow, it's been so long. Shout out to so many crews. You know, shout out to Richard Dwyer, Rafe. We gotta get that guy on the show. It's gonna happen. I'm, I'm gonna stop teasing. I'm gonna stop playing with the bag. I'm gonna stop, you know, we're gonna get that on this show. It's gonna be so good. And folks, it's magnificent. I cannot wait for that. All right, Rafe. Um, box is hot. Uh, skinheads are fighting skinheads is, is hot. Pro wrestling's red hot. I know you don't really mess with that either. Um, pigskin season though is, is pretty hot as well, Rafe. Are you into football? You into whether it's now, now, now that I've moved to Michigan, you'd bet your, your keister I am. All right. Well, hey, State of Combat show listeners, guess what? It's that time of year again, and I'm thrilled, Rafe. How thrilled? Thrilled in all caps to tell you about the second annual Fantasy Football Today Telethon this week that's airing on CBS Sports. What is the second annual Fantasy Football Today Telethon? You may be wondering. Hoffa Bugs, are you? Are you with me? Are you wondering that? I'm with you. I'm wondering. Yeah. I'm right. sorry. I had, I was muting while you're doing all this reading. Yeah. Well, well, uh, reading is off the top of the dome, bro. For six uh, continuous hours on Thursday, beginning at noon Eastern, our fantasy football today crew and a plethora of guests will be answering your phone calls and dropping tons of fantasy knowledge to get you ready for your drafts. You gotta get fired up for this. You're talking about access. You're talking about welcoming people to slide into our DMs. Pick up the phone and call us. It's all hands on deck. We'll have our pick six crew here. We'll have Danny Cannell, Bryant McFadden. We'll have former NFL players like Roddy White, Eddie Lacey. What the heck's that guy up to? Dwayne Bowe stopping by. We'll have our friends from the industry like the fantasy footballers joining the fun. Hey, maybe we can get Richard Dwyer involved in this. Seriously, it's a great time. It's for a great cause, though, Rafe. 
St. Jude, the Children's Hospital, brother, the Fantasy Football Today Telethon Fun begins at noon Eastern on Thursday on CBSSports.com as well as through the CBS Sports app on your phone, Roku, Amazon Fire TV, or Apple TV. Tell them BC sent you. All right. Yeah, all right. Hey, Rafe, so much to friggin' talk about in this sport. I know where I want to go. Where do you want to go? Shoot. Well, uh, let's keep it simple. Let's go. Let's go. There were a couple of fights this weekend or last weekend. What do you think of my guy, Emmanuel El Vaquero Navarrete, getting that, that, that guy out of there in, in the third round? Yo, I like, I, I, I'm, I'm saying, I mean, he beat, he beat the Royal Storm, our favorite fighter twice, put beatings on him twice. This guy looks like a real, real, he looks like, mm, I'm, 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 it moved, Brian. I like wow, this Wow, it moved. Wow. I mean. Let's look at the entire man. Would you say this he's, was. He's the, a long guy. He's got a lot of length for 122 say, pounds. Would you say this was the sexiest moment involving Emmanuel since you watching Showtime late night Red Shoe Diaries uh, back in the uh, mid nineties. I mean, where am I going with this? Emmanuel oh, was yeah. a franchise brother, right? Yeah, this, this, this might, yeah, this is probably better than that. I gotta say, this is, you know, I, I was more of a, uh, I was, I, I, I check in with the Skinamax, but I wasn't a Showtime guy back then. Uh, well, Skinamax had the harder of the soft core, to be honest, right? HBO only that really Stacey Dash one? Oh yeah, my, oh my God. God. HBO only had real sex and some some boob movies, like regular movies that had boob. There's a difference, right? Showtime Stacey could Cow do something. Confessions could get could get there. She, but Showtime had legitimate programs for this, but Cinemax had like that, hey, Thursday, Friday, Saturday, Sunday night from like ten PM till three AM, we got you covered. I know you're not gonna be watching long, but you're gonna come in and out. We got you yeah, man. Oh, let's talk good. about a fight that blew up in my face. All right. Hey, Rafe, let's move on. Uh, Navarrete looked great. Look, he's proved that he's the real deal. Now I want to see him against every major 122 player. Let's do it. Do you think that, especially at top rank, it may make more sense or that it may more make more sense for – the uh the business for him to go up to 126 where they still have a pretty packed stable i know oscar valdez moved up to 130 recently but there's shakur stevenson there's carl frampton kind of talking about going back and forth between 126 and 130 they're they're they're, they're fighters up there and he's got the frame perhaps to fill out and the power if he can carry it up to be a great fight for a lot of those guys otherwise 122 you're looking at danny roman you're looking at well but Harder fights to, top to rank. make. Harder fights they've to made, make. They've made Matchroom. Uh, they, I mean, they've made DAZN and ESPN crossover fights. We just saw Hooker Ramirez a few weeks ago. Why not do it again? 122 pounds is not some super glamour division where there's tons of money on the line. I, I hope that they make as much money as possible. But I feel like they could do some crossovers between Roman if he can if he can win his fight on September 4th, 13th next month. And... Uh, TJ Dahani, the favorite fighter of Brian Kenny, also really good in that division. Yo, it's a fun division. Royal Storm, come back, brother. And I'm a DAZN subscriber. Yeah, me too, Rich. Um, interesting. I-, I could see him going to 26. He's got the body. He's got the long frame, like you mentioned. Seems to have good pop. Um, I don't know. if Is he skilled enough? Is he skilled enough for these elites, these true elites, Rafe? 
he's not slick. He's awkward. He's, he's, he doesn't have great hand speed, but boy, does he move them and he timed his timing is good. Now we haven't seen it yet. We haven't seen, uh, him against a really, really sort of top, uh, top operator, so to speak. A, a guy who, who is, you know, who is slick and defense first. Like, uh, Isaac Dogbe is a, a very athletic fighter, explosive, but also pretty unorthodox and, and takes some, some unnecessary risks and was made to pay for them. Um, so, so we haven't seen him. I mean, could he, could Navarrete, Beat a Shakur Stevenson? I don't know, man. Uh, that that would that it would be interesting. But look, in a boxing ring or a, or a parking garage, which is your preferred <laughs> venue for that? Well, I guess it, how many guys does Stevenson get to fight with him in that one? Well, you know, I think you really know the answer to that one, Rafe. God, I have too many pages on this soundboard. Many guys, many guys. Many guys. All right, Richie. Thank you. Um, yeah, also in recent fights, Rafe, um, Virgil Ortiz Jr., did you see that fight against Antonio or- Orozco on DAZN? Look fantastic. The unbeaten welterweight, 14 and 0, 14 KOs. You know what I loved about that fight? And of course, Orozco was fresh off of giving trouble in the business to, um, remember that fight we watched? Say Ramirez. Yeah. yeah, Ramirez, top rank that we watched that in Vegas at the, uh, Mandalay, uh, uh book. Right, the damn book. I, I recall it with your cousin was next to us talking about te- schooling me on the NASCAR oh, game. Yeah. It, deep Shout out to Mike NASCAR. Campbell. Shout MC. out to I am Mike Campbell on Twitter. Um, NASCAR PR rep to the stars. But yeah, uh, Roscoe, what I loved about this fight is he actually made Ortiz work in those middle rounds before the stoppage. But when Ortiz found an opening, bam! I mean, he brought the pain. Three knockdowns. Vicious uppercuts. The kid is a natural finisher. Can punch with both hands. Has long arms. Um, we're going to talk very shortly about Canelo and the potential um, uh, hemorrhaging and, and, and flood going on inside the Golden Boy offices. But Virgil Ortiz is that raft that you can sit on, Rafe. This guy, I mean, you, you're not saying anything bad about him. You're not feeling anything bad about him. No, I'm all, I, I am all in. He is one of my, I mean, him and Devin Haney are my two favorite young fighters, like really young, promising fighters in the sport. I love those guys. I, and, and Ortiz, ooh, 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 ooh. I mean, ooh. the, the, I, I, you know what opened my eyes to him was about six months ago. I was just, you know, doing my rounds on the YouTubes, watching the interviews, cruising around like I do. I came across Robert Garcia, who, you know, trains him. I got him down in the gym there in, in Riverside now. And he, they were talking about how good he looked in, in, in sparring with their guys, fighting with their guys. And, uh, it, Peter, Robert's son was kind of popping off talking uh, probably a little bit, uh, a little talking big, a little bit saying, yeah, Virgil would beat Danny Garcia today. Wow. And, and it was like, damn, really? And now that's, that's, that's probably a step too far. They're not going to move him that fast, but you look at the performances he's putting in. They, I don't think they are exaggerating about the promise that this, that, that he shows. He's the re, I, I'm very excited about him. Me too, Rafe. Hashtag me too. Uh, oh, other God, recent man. fights and speak. What well, did that upset you? I've said a lot of things that upset people on this show. I'm sorry about that, Rafe. But speaking of. Oh, wait. 
Was she a great big fat person? Oh, uh, those two fat people, Kovnatsky and Ariola Wraith, it delivered Why the... Do we, uh, this is so long ago. I know, Who we didn't cares, chat brother? about it. But they delivered that sloppy violence we expected. Maybe it got a little too repetitive sloppy because Ariola brought a chin with him. He brought some determination with him, and it went the distance. But I kind of came away there, unfortunately... Before that fight, I'm thinking, okay, Kovnatsky probably never going to beat Wilder, but would be a fun out because he's got quick hands. He fights on the inside. He comes to brawl. I almost feel like he took a step back in winning that fight. But I think Wilder just slices him up, Rafe, like badly. For, I, he, 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 look, I think it would be interesting. There is one interesting question in, in that potential fight, and that is if he can effing get inside on Wilder because we haven't really seen a Wilder opponent try that, try to close the distance, crowd him, take away the, the distance he needs to throw that right hand. Could that work? Could a game plan like that work for Kaunatsky? I don't know. He may not be fast enough to do it before he gets knocked out is, is really the issue. And if he's had that much trouble with Prince Charles Martin and Chris Ariola. Why are we, why are we thinking that he is going to give the, the very, very best at heavyweight a problem? Now, I guess the answer is, is that there are stylistic reasons to see why it could be interesting. And that's so, so with that, but against Areola, I mean, that was, and we made a lot of noise about how it was a, it was a heavyweight record for CompuBox, punches thrown. I mean, that just made me sad. About the, the, the legacies of David Tua and, uh, and, and crazy mother, what's his name? Ah, oh, shit. Um, ah, the president. Um, you know who Ike, I'm talking about. Ibeabuchi. Yeah, Ibeabuchi. Um, like that was their record and that was a good fight. I don't want to think of this other fight, which wasn't that good as the record holder anymore. <laughs> it's, it's number two in my book. I don't care. Well, first four rounds, I thought it was fantastic. It did sort of fall into kind of a weird groove there of just kind of sloppy violence for the sake of sloppy violence, but, uh, no harm done. I can't wait to see, though, Shaquille O'Neal's favorite fighter come back. And uh, hopefully the winner will get to face my favorite fighter, Delonte Wilder. We're hopefully going to see him soon. Let's talk heavyweights, right? You okay with that? You okay to talk heavyweights right now? Let's riff on heavyweights. All right. Uh, Tyson Fury is going to be back soon. I forgot the date. Do you remember the date? September 14th. He's fight. He, he made the WBC has not decided yet, but that, that fight is one of four fights under consideration for the WBC. Uh, Mexican Independence Day commemorative Mayan belt. Oh, stop so, that. Stop that ish yeah. right now. Think about it'll that. It'll be Las Vegas, and it'll be Otto Wallen, the unbeaten Swede, I believe, former Olympian, who's uh been on Showtime but has had short fights and pullouts. Pullout, very, very. I, I've had a few pullouts. <laughs> they went all right. Very for me. reminiscent. I, I, I survived of your, those of your days at uh at at Northwestern for sure, Rafe. Um, wow. Okay, that was weird. Uh, I, I just yeah. Yeah, yeah, he got horny, right? I mean, it's, it's a, it's a hot on day. Uh, here's the point though. Uh, it's a step up from, from the Schwartz, but, uh, I don't know how much we're going to find out. Um, not everybody loves this fight though. And speaking of Deontay Wilder, who you just heard, they served him up asking him about this fight. 
Call out that bullshit because that's bullshit at its best. You ain't coming to no English man coming over here talking about he's saving America with a Tom Swartz and a Oto, whoever he is, and talking about he the best with an invisible belt. I mean, Rafe, like, I get it, but we don't need two warm-ups. He's not like he was hurt or took a lot of time off. He just fought friggin' Wilder in December. We don't need two warm-ups, and my fear of ESPN ruining him is huge, Rafe. It's huge coming off that last broadcast when Tess and company were just, I mean, just jamming it down our throats to the point where it's like, we know what to like about this guy. Stop ruining him to us. Um, I've got a soundbite related to this. Oh, yeah. Fury started doing the tour on the casual ESPN shows, and he was on that Golik and Golik morning radio show. Your trainer, Ben Davidson, said there were other fights that you would have rather had than Wallen. Who would have been your first choice in this, if that's true? Well, anybody, really, but... Oh, my God. Yeah. I, this, me too. Yeah. He, he speak the truth. You know, this is the, I mean, it was the, it was a similar build up to Tom Schwartz, uh, in June or, yeah, it was June, right? Or July. Um, and where, you know, a month out, they were, it, Fury couldn't quite get himself worked up into a full salesmanship lather. But then the week of the fight, he was, Tom Schwartz, is, he doesn't know how to lose. He's coming to win. He's going to, you know, they, they, he, Fury will sell this fight during fight week for whatever it's worth. And I got, I'm on, I'm on the Deontay Wilder side here. I, I, this is not a very exciting fight. Otto Otto Valin has a, look, he has a better reputation than uh, Tom Schwartz came in with, but we don't really know if that's earned. It's just he has a he has an American promoter. He's a he was supposed to be a prospect who was going to get pushed, but the fights basically fell through. Uh, both of them on Showbox and and the idea it also it just it's it's just a dirty feeling to think. So you got this shot at and it's not Oto's fault. I don't blame him for it, but he got a shot at Tyson Fury in a huge heavyweight fight by doing what by having. A guy, Nick Kisner, who looks like a Mario brother, pull out uh, after one round on a headbutt. And then BJ Flores have to leave because of a medical issue and whatever it was. Eric Raskin's friend, BJ Flores, for the record. That's true. Yeah, they've been in hot tubs together. Um, But it's like that's how you get a shot at a huge heavyweight, at at the lineal heavyweight titleist. And I don't agree with that. It is – it is – Yes, it is an invisible belt, but it is as meaningful as many of the other belts in boxing. Um, and he's backed it up with his, and Fury has backed it up with recent performances. You want to see more out of it. I don't think, Brian, that ESPN can ruin him because, or because he might ruin him for us. We are jaded, hardcore boxing fans who pay it, who have not, who would pay attention to all of these ins and outs and every, Dumb matchup and every, all the stupid hype, even if it wasn't our jobs. I did it for years when it wasn't my job. We can't stop. We're degenerates. So yeah, it'll annoy us, but they're not, they, they, that is the, that is the curse of being a true boxing fan. The people who sell the fights take you for granted. They don't care about you because they know you're going to be there. They, they, it doesn't matter. So they're just going to sell fury to and try and build him up, build up his profile, have him say some, ha, you know, do some fun interviews, try to build up his profile for casual fans. And, and then hopefully that leads to the wilder fight. Brian, 
Fury is saying on these interviews uh, on these ESPN car washes, February 22nd. Wilder still doesn't have a confirmed date with Luis Ortiz. Yes. What's going on? Is Fury going to fight Ortiz? That was a tough fight There's the first time around. Yeah, wasn't there? I read. And then turn around three months later for for Tyson Fury. I mean, did I say did I mix up Wilder and Fury there? Anyway. You, you mentioned heavyweights. We're all, they're all the same here. They all bang. Um, it's interesting. I'd been reading your colleague Mike Coppinger's stuff saying that there was language in the Fury Wilder rematch contract for February 22nd, which would be an ESPN Fox joint pay-per-view, which is big. I mean, big. It's ma- massive. That Wilder has to f- finish fighting, Flo- uh, Ortiz in the rematch before a certain date in November. So this is getting pushed back. This is interesting, Rafe. Um, you would think this would be a Showtime pay-per-view. It would be interesting to see how that plays out as well. But, yeah, it's not a guarantee that Wilder goes in there and doesn't get hurt, doesn't have something bad happen, whatever, even in winning. So we'll see that. Um, I just want to see the best fight the best. And we at least have light at the end of the tun- tunnel with Wilder Fury. I guess Otto Wallen is a fun night out at the fights watching on TV. But, I mean, Ortiz Wilder is a real fight. I need more real fights. Eddie Hearn, though, at the great Eddie Hearns, right? You know that 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 guy. Here's his thoughts on Deontay Wilder. I mean, I don't often agree with Tyson Fury, but Deontay Wilder is a proper dosser, right? Dosser. Oh man, yeah, Matchroom, yeah, Eddie. Nikita's is obsessed with me. Wow, wow, Rafe. The, that war of words is pretty entertaining between Eddie Hearn dropping the D word. Putting Dosser on him. Wow. Going all the way there. The true slander from, from, from coming from the United Kingdom. And then the Andy Ruiz Jr. and now Deontay Wilder habit of constantly calling him Eddie Hearns. It's great stuff. <laughs> the great Eddie Hearns. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you, Paul Andrade. All right. Um, that's your heavyweight update, but that's not talking about the biggest heavyweight update. All this stuff going on with AJ, Anthony Joshua, and Andy Ruiz Jr. We have a confirmed date for the rematch, December 7th. It appears to be on zone, right? They ran a commercial on it during the Virgil Ortiz fight. And it'll take place in Saudi Arabia, Rafe. Um, all right, look. I'm not going to give you the same rant, although it's applicable that I did when WWE in the past year signed like a 10-year deal with the Saudi Arabian government to put these cards on there and they're getting paid ridiculous money and they're not allowing women to compete on there and there's probably other civil rights violations going on. I mean, that journalist was killed last year as well and WWE moved forward without an issue. Um, I get it. It's a money grab. But I don't get two things, all right? You ready for this? Number one, if you're a matchroom sport and there's legitimate rumors out there that AJ was concussed in the build-up to that first fight and blah, 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 and he wasn't in the right frame of mind, and then he got knocked out, and is he potentially emotionally damaged? Why would you not put that in ADK land? Why would you not call up Godinez, right, and try to set a record and try to just put him with all them blokes going nuts for him? Instead, you're going to put it at a like outdoor stadium with 7,000 or 12,000 fans in Saudi Arabia, that's one that I need you to address. But two, dude, DeZone, have you lost all control? Like, we got that Canelo situation to talk about in a minute. That They lost control in that. Um, Rafe, this will go on 
dinner time on the East Coast, head to head with the SEC championship game on CBS. You'd have to guess that's monstrously inopportune time for DAZN, who's supposed to be killing pay-per-view. And if they were would have been able to get that fight in the U.S., which I'm sure they would have wanted, either a rematch at MSG or at Cowboy Stadium or whatever, Vegas, um, then you would have had a tentpole event that people have to subscribe to see. Now Rafe casual fans are going to go, well, yeah, I care about that thing in the sand, but dude, the SEC championship – that's a that's a fail, right? It's a monstrous fail. Now I get they may not be driving the 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 car as much as the European the English TV deal is for Eddie Hearn, but I need you to answer those questions. Why are we in the desert? Okay. Um especially I think it's a, an odd decision because in the week in the week or so since it was announced, Andy Ruiz Jr has not sounded all that enthusiastic about going to Saudi Arabia and fighting there either. Neither fighter was at the press conference that they held in London for this event. And Ruiz is still saying no. Jake Donovan described it as a timeshare presentation. I've been to those. Those are pretty, those are pretty fun. I, they're they're weird. You got to get out without signing anything, but if you can, (laughs) it's a hoot. But Ruiz, he, he's saying, he's still saying that I'm not fighting anywhere, but in the States. So the idea that one of the, the reasons this fight ended up or is, is possibly ending up in Saudi Arabia rather than the UK is that Ruiz wasn't, you know, was going to put up a huge fight over uh, over having to come to the UK and it was going to slow down the process. They might get stuck in lawsuits and, and just shenanigans would occur. Well, those, those shenanigans appear to be occurring. So uh, that, that side of it doesn't make a whole lot of sense. The other side, all of, all of this stuff about fighter safety. Yeah, you know, this is the, uh, weeks ago we were, we were real, like, this is how, this is how sad this stuff is, man. We had two boxers die from, from damage incurred in the ring less than a month ago or maybe a month ago now. And for all of a week, everyone was concerned about fighter safety. And then, and then right on the heels of that, the Dillian White situation happened in the, in, in London at the O2 where he was allowed to fight through whatever weird regulations that you, the UK anti-doping and, and the BBBOC have about, uh, privacy and he was allowed to fight without his fight without his opponent knowing that he had tested positive for for a a steroid and and so fighter safety we're talking about that all of like two weeks pass we stopped talking about it they announce a fight in a country with no boxing commission where they're just going (laughs) to leave it up to where they're just going to leave it up to the sanctioning bodies to get stuff done it's just it's it's crazy it's it's bs somebody could be on the juice right um, yeah, I mean, I, I look, a, a lot of fighters probably are on some performance enhancing audio. Um, and it, we know, we under, we know all the difficulty about enforcing that stuff. It's, it's, it's but a tough question, no but leverage. this ain't helping it. And Ruiz yeah, has no, on, no leverage. He signed for the rematch when he, when he signed for the first fight. You always have leverage. He, he has to get in the ring. It's a bigger disaster if he just walks. Yeah, he might lose belts. They might, he might get stripped. It definitely, the, the IBF is already salivating to strip him because nothing the IBF likes more than stripping a, a, like a duly 
one champion three weeks or maybe two days in the case of Tyson Fury after they win a belt in a huge fight out of that. Like they did. I mean, Canelo also, uh, whatever that I know, like we like to say, well, they follow their rules. Seems like their rules are pretty damn stupid too. Like it, it, some I, I, asking boxing to make any kind of common sense is clearly not some like that alone is a stupid thing to ask for, <laughs> but what well, it's a hall of mirrors, Brian. None of it makes any sense. It's all a mess. Um, but he does have leverage because if he says I'm not going, then a lot of people lose a lot of money and look really stupid. And they're gonna have, I, I, I think that he's probably holding out to get a little bigger piece of that pie than he was contracted for. Can they go to court to say, nope, you signed? Sure. But then they lose money too. So I, I do think that he has leverage. Um, and just, you know, we've seen it in boxing. Just because it's on paper somewhere doesn't mean that it necessarily is going to go down that way. It's a, you can venue shop your way into a lot of big fights all over the world. Um, and it's just they're, they're different. Uh, so I think Ruiz has some power and he seems to be exercising. I wouldn't be surprised if he gets some more money out of the situation. And frankly, he deserves it. Yeah, good for um, him. Even if that, he didn't but, sign for it in the first place. But, you know, but it doesn't seem to have any leverage on the side of the fight and all that because, again, like I said in previous weeks, right. in modern day boxing, you got to beat the champ twice before you're really the champ. That's just how it really works before you have the leverage of a champion. But Rafe, what about the zone here? Um, this is a this is a rough stretch. I mean, they thought they were you laid getting... it out. I mean, you laid it out. This is a this is a big blow for that because it it the idea that a huge fight this rematch. Remember when AJ lost in June? Part of the the rationale for why this was a great thing for DAZN was oh well we're gonna have a rematch at the end of the year it will be a huge fight and it is it's the way this year is shaping up it should it is at least on paper, the most significant fight of 2019, for sure. There won't be another significant Canelo fight, probably. Even Canelo Kovalev, if that comes through, is not as big as the AJ Ruiz rematch. Um, so it is this huge fight that was supposed to draw casual, sub- casual interest to the zone, actually drive subscriptions, and then where it ends up in a country where it won't get as much media attention, in a... The only media, a lot of the media attention will just be sort of sniping from the general sports sites saying about, you know, what a, what a atrocity it is and just bringing bad publicity to it. It's going up against one of the biggest, you know, the second biggest sport in the country, which is college football on one of the biggest days in that sport at the same time. It's 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 not going to drive. They have to have given up on the idea of it driving subscriptions because it just clearly won't. And the the best case scenario is that there is another exciting fight with some good highlights for them to put out there that everyone has to plays show and they they see you know it gets the zone name out there again. But in terms of people subscribing for this fight, it's not going to be as ma- nearly as many as as it would have under um, ideal situation, uh, ideal circumstance. Was going to hit us between the eyes with some great fights. Who's Canelo going to fight? Tom, Dick, or Harry? We'll get to that in a second, Rich. Uh, to close on AJ from England, which we all know is the birthplace of AJ. Damn, I'm not quick enough. And it's the first place 
of AJ. Hammer boxing fans, welcome to Camasota. I'm so excited, my brother. How dare you? Uh, I like sex. Uh, um, I got a problem with AJ Rafe. Have you tuned in at all in the last week to those the multitudes of big time English TV interviews he has done? Sitting down, telling the untold truth about what really happened in the Ruiz fight. Did you are, are you are you woke on this? I am. I I'm. Yeah, that is a service that I have. Been. All right. Am I against him? "Quote unquote," coming clean and being real. No, we just went through it with Daniel Cormier the last couple of years. No one's realer than that guy after he loses, making you endear and love him more by just being humble and talking about his failures. But AJ didn't really do that. I get wanting to come out and try to dispel whether it's true or not. Like the whole "I came into the fight concussed." You don't really want that out there. You want to kill that no matter what. But to then come out and say the following things, Rafe: I got beat by a lucky punch. From the gods. Um, bro, you got knocked down four times, okay? This was not Lewis Rockman one, okay? Like, like, come on you're, with that. You're saying it was not his lucky punch, or his crazy punch, uh, his, uh, you respect box. And two, he's complaining about the stoppage? Dude, Michael Griffin gave AJ, like, 30 seconds to walk backwards to the corner and put his arms up on the ropes and make sure without a shadow of the doubt that he didn't count out the undefeated unified heavyweight champion too early where we had a scandal. In fact, he almost created a scandal because when a fighter turns his back and gives you that language, you stop the damn fight. But look, I'm not always for that. Sometimes you got to let the the super popular champion prove to you that he's dead, right? Right. AJ proved that he wasn't really there. So to complain about that is ridiculous. To say things like, this wasn't a Super Bowl to me. This was uh, Ruiz's biggest night of his life. Dude, if you're the champion every night, you're fighting somebody that's the biggest night of their life. So get off of that stool. And then to kind of be like, uh, you know, the crowd was booing in the second round. And I didn't realize they were booing a brawl in the crowd. And I thought they were booing me because Wilder got a knockout in the first round the week before. So that kind of got in my head about turning this into an act. Like, just stop, dude. Or the the, the new comments of, you know, I could have just boxed him from the outside if I wanted to and made this a boring fight. But you don't get that excuse afterwards. All right? I know there was an equilibrium shot that really put – AJ on, on Queer Street for a while, and I know he did gut it out to, to stay in that fight for four more rounds. But, dude, you lost, and you lost fair and square. You probably lost for reasons you're not admitting because all that stuff about your wide-eyed look in the middle of the ring that you're denying were deer in headlights before the fight. I'm just saying, dude, take the L. Take the L. Take it. Put Ruiz over. Say good things about him. Hype up the rematch. Yeah. But say, I'm going back to the gym, and I'm going to figure this out. No excuses. None of this soft stuff. Come on, bro. Take that. Take that. Take that. Yeah, seriously, <laughs> right? Right. Um, Brian, I think it is fair for you to be annoyed or unhappy with the way that that uh, that Anthony Joshua is now portraying all this in the press, and it is not how we as uh, boxing fans and the boxing media prefer to see our champions hold themselves after a loss or or in any situation right you don't like to see excuses um but at the same time brian oh no none don't of defend it, him don't defend him. I'm, I'm not i'm saying I, I don't know consider this a defense if you want it doesn't mean anything because all of boxing analysis literally nearly all of it 
is just Monday morning quarterbacking. So if AJ and Ruiz fight again and AJ knocks him out quickly or outboxes him clearly and all of that, then all this junk that he's talking now, nobody's going to care about. People will probably agree with him. Ray and P. if he swallowed. loses, they're going to clown him. And that always, that always happens. It is just what, what was the result? Oh, well then he must be a good guy. Like, uh, we hate Sergey Kovalev because he just lost to Elader Alvarez. Oh wait, he beat Elader Alvarez? Oh wait, he's not that, he's, I mean, he's kind of a, he's kind of a dirtbag, but he's not, he can still fight. Like, there is, it, it is just, look, jerks can win fights. Good, nice guys can lose fights. Terrible people can lose, can win fights. The, it does, it has nothing to do with what happens in the ring. Now, we have our questions about AJ. We have, that come from sort of him struggling in some, some other fights and, and getting rattled a little bit in terms of just maybe not having a great chin and, and is not the most fluid fighter in general, right? We, we see those flaws in him as a fighter, but, do I take this as like a mental, like, oh, he just doesn't have the heart for this game? Who the hell knows, no, man? I'm not going There's that no far. I'm tell. just saying that's a bad. I just thought that was a bad look. All right. Okay. In the end. I, I, but you you mentioned something interesting about like Hasim Rahman and Lennox Lewis. Why? What? Why are you? Why are we willing to call that a lucky punch? Because not and and we could get into I'm not AJ that versus lucky Lennox. Punch. I'm saying you just that said you, can, you said it was okay. You I'm said this saying, ain't. This ain't Rahman Lewis. Right. That, uh, Here's what I'm saying. When you get knocked out with one punch, straight up, mm-hmm. they caught you, you got your lights knocked out. If you want to frame that when you're making your excuse as, look, it was lucky, right? I got caught with a lucky punch. You you can almost stand on that. Do I think that was lucky punch? Maybe not. I don't know. I don't know what Rahman game planned. He set well, up let Lewis me, and let all me, that. Let but, me read something to you from... The Baltimore Sun in 2001, April 23rd, 2001, a day hell? before Dude, you're my so 19th woke in Detroit. birthday. Detroit has Lennox woke Lewis, you. Lennox Lewis at a press conference for the rematch says, you have to give Hasim Rahman a lot of credit. He came in. He wasn't scared. He was looking to win the fight. He was throwing some good punches. It just so happens that I stepped into one of them. He then turned to Rahman and asked, Hasim, you know that was a lucky punch, right? Lewis went on, beat Rahman easy, knocked him I out, get it, but Rafe, it, and now you, nobody cares. Nobody minds. So if AJ make, does the same okay, thing, I'm not saying this will be a AJ scarlet either. letter on him. I'm saying right now, we our podcast is to react to it, and that's not the way men do it. Folks, that's not the way men do it. Exactly, I Rich, okay? It, de- is, it is not the way men do it, but... Box, you, the, you, I want guys, anything. Rafe. I want guys. I want, I want guys. All right. By the way, did you? Just, speaking yeah, of um, non non related topic. Speaking of um um, skinhead white guys. Did you? You didn't watch UFC two forty one over the weekend, right? I'm uh, I'm familiar with the results. I, There's some I bloke saw some on the highlights. undercard. I think his name is Casey Kenny. I probably should look up his name. Um, he, he gave this in the post fight press uh, interview. Let me bang with somebody. Somebody stand up and bang with me. Wow. Wow. Hey, Rafe. Wow. All right. Um, no, I mean, I get the point you're saying, and it, it won't matter if AJ comes back, but, um, don't, don't come out and say, I would have beaten him nine out of ten. That was, dude, it, it was a fight and you lost it. Okay. That's the end of it. I don't want to talk about it anymore. I will not. You can't make me. I will not talk about it anymore. All righty then. 
All right, Rafe, we've got to get into Canelo Alvarez. This is the biggest topic of the week, um, of the weeks, of the month. So um, this is crazy, Rafe. It's crazy that Canelo Alvarez is not fighting on Mexican Independence Day weekend, the second biggest boxing weekend of the year. And we don't know when or maybe even if he'll fight. And he was rumored for four different guys. And then he got stripped of the IBF title. And then he put a crazy tweet out uh, accusing Golden Boy of things. And then behind the scenes, you hear reports that he wanted Robert Diaz fired. And then Ryan Garcia, who's in his camp, is suddenly putting out anti-Golden Boy stuff. And then you hear all those reports. And Kevin Ioli was good on the Manic Show talking about it. The meeting that Canelo had with Golden Boy that was a screaming match. And Golden Boy and Canelo not happy with Oscar and wow, Rafe, suddenly we're here and he's putting all the blame on on Golden Boy for the failed negotiations when he was linked to different opponents. Then he got the zone to accept Derevinchenko as an opponent. Now Go- Triple G is going to fight Derevinchenko for the vacant IBF title uh, in October at Madison Square Garden, which, by the way, is a great fight. And now we got heel Canelo in full effect. And we wondered, Rafe. We wondered a lot coming into this idea of Golden Boy throwing 100 million at Triple G. And Triple G saying, of course I'm fighting him this fall. And we said, who's gonna win? And the people that know seem to claim that everyone's contract, from Triple G to Oscar to Golden Boy or to, to whatever, had language said that you will fight Triple G this fall. Only Canelo's contract didn't. And he stood so firm on wanting to avoid Gennady, that he was even, even willing to give money back. For this next fight. Rafe, where are we right now? And where is this going to go? Is this going to go to court? Is this going to go to Canelo pulling a Floyd? And buying his way out? I mean, what, what's what's next here? This is a bad look for everybody. Um, Where we are right now is actually, it's, it's I feel like it's cooled down this week. It's, it's pretty simple. We are waiting to see what happens in this week's Kovalev yard fight. If Sergei Kovalev can win... Then he will probably end up facing Canelo later this year, assuming he doesn't get cut badly. There's nothing that prevents him from fighting later this year. That, I think, is where we are right now. Is Canelo unhappy with Golden Boy for some of the stuff that that has been reported about why he's mad doesn't make a whole lot of sense like, like what, he's mad that they are making like that they that they are making money off his name that is their job that's their business like did he read those lawsuits that that not the did he read the the discovery that came out from the settlements uh between the golden boy and pbc lawsuit a couple years ago Canelo was making all the money for Golden Boy back then, too. That is the case with Canelo, who is the biggest star in the sport, fighting for a promoter that doesn't have any other really high wattage megastars. It does. I I don't why unless he's upset with the amount of money that he's being paid, which seems unlikely, given that he makes more money than any other boxer and any other. Well, he probably makes more money than any other professional fighter, right? There's nobody in MMA. Maybe Conor McGregor still has a, a little bit more in the in the piggy bank from the Floyd fight, but he's in that that whole side of it. I don't really get Canelo's psychology there. I'm sure there's something. I think it may be sort of a, a situation where he's been putting up with you know, the the people, his coworkers, for a long time, and his coworkers being. Golden Boy Promotions and has probably noticed here and there 
something that that didn't that rubbed him the wrong way. Well, like that looks a little unprofessional. Yeah, uh, yeah, like that. Uh, you know, really, are we doing that? Is this this, this seems kind of tacky? And he's kind of he's noticed. He's sort of been taking notes over the years, and then. <laughs> Suddenly this this year something snapped and he's like f this I'm tired of this BS and where does it lead I'm not totally sure it probably there's so much money involved Canelo really cares about his legacy he might as well keep I mean like I would to to get locked up in and, and Golden Boy is gonna fight tooth and nail assuming they have a promotional contract with him they're gonna fight tooth and nail to keep him because there is no Golden Boy in sure. the way that we know it without him so. It will if if he does if it goes to court, I would I would anticipate something like a Andre Ward versus uh versus Dan Goosen or a Mikey Garcia versus Top Rank a several a thing that interrupts years of Canelo's prime, which you know Canelo's already got more than fifty fights right. He is he 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 probably doesn't want to be fighting into his late thirties like some other guys who start later in their careers. It was just interesting, he, Rafe, that he would stand this firmly. And maybe, like you said, it's years of stuff that he's finally like. You know what? I make three hundred and sixty-five million now on my own name. Like f this. Like it ain't going down like this. I could end you guys. I could get out of this deal and go be the biggest free agent of all time. I don't know if he could. I don't know legal stuff. But it's just, it's crazy. It's interesting. We know he's a man of conviction. We know no box, no life. And you're saying if you fight this, there may be no box. And then will there be a life? You know, you want to hear what my my sneaky conspiracy theory is that's totally unfounded and perhaps ridiculous. Okay. I'll give you a Dwyer response to that when you're done. Go ahead. What has changed in the last year in the Canelo Alvarez Camp. Who has entered the picture there? Ryan Garcia. You're you're damn right. That kid, that little diva, is getting all up in his ear. He's what? buzzing around saying, "Oh, Canelo, man, you don't realize what a star you are. How is it possible that I have more Instagram followers? I don't know if that's true, but he probably does. Yeah, I know He's that three Garcia million. is over. Garcia is over three million. Where's Canelo? Uh, can't be there. He can't be, right? I mean, I can look that up, but, you know, what? But he's like, so he's like, come on, Canelo, can't you see? Can't you see, Saul, that I have more Instagram followers? They're not promoting you right. They're not, he's in his ear, man. He's got, he, Canelo has 5.4 million followers. Okay, okay. Well, so that's not the problem, but, but still, I, Garcia's in there and, you know, he, he, he's had, he, you know, his parents manage him very closely. He was homeschooled. He's got a little bit of that weird, uh, child actor thing going. Wow. He, yeah, yeah. I'm sorry. I, I think, think he'll he got burn in out there before and he fades he, away. He's, put, he's putting some hoodoo on Canelo's head and saying, look, you're worth even more than this, bro. You probably put some hooters on there too, knowing how they get down in their personal lives. But, uh, you know, it's like, I could get, I could understand Canelo reportedly being upset with Oscar's professionalism, but like, you heard Wash Gale. I love watching, uh, yeah, love watching De La Hoya. Oh, De La Hoya was a freak, yeah. We, we know, we know what this guy is. We know what it's about. But to your conspiracy theories, to mine, there's one man who's not having any of this, Rafe. Richie Dwyer time. Here we go. Now this is one man's opinion, but this whole saga concerning Canelo. Supposedly trying to negotiate with Sergei Derevian Chekhov <laughs> is mandatory. <laughs> For a middleweight title fight, to me, is complete poppycock. Rafe, Sergei Derevchenko, are we going to go with that? Are we cool with that? Look, we know that all Sergeys are named Sergei. This, right. this is not new to me. 
All right. Um, but that poppycock is a new one. This right. He kind of followed up with this not too far from poppycock. You know, we understand what you're doing by the hot dog truck. No, what are you doing by the, you got, you got, you got poppycock in your hand over by the uh, hot dog truck, Rafe? What the hell is going on right now? Um, this is going to be interesting. I don't think he could get out of his deal with the zone. You're right. He could probably be in a long battle legal that, that they probably just make up. They probably just kiss and make up. But Canelo's flexing right now. He, he knows who he is. He knows he's Mayweather right now. He is. He's Mayweather right now. He's the Mexican Mayweather. He was born ready. He yeah. he didn't even have to beat Mayweather to become Mayweather. That's a good that's a good point. That is a good point. Um in other uh soundbite news, Rafe, um Steve Willis, three sixteen, Stone Cold Steve Willis. Uh wow. Wow, Rafe. Uh he was interviewed by Fight Hype and he went off the rails. You casuals. You know it alls. You podcast guys. That's you. You sit there and you have these week long Arguments. Oh, they gave Fury a chance. Oh, they gave Wilder a chance. Oh, Don uh, AJ wasn't given a ring walk. First of all, English fans. Ring so walk? he's defend. This is referee Steve Willis of, of of Crazy Eyes fame and of like dancing fame and and weird look fame and um he's a he's a stand up comedian on the side if you follow him on Instagram. But he was just tearing people up, Rafe. I want to hear, don't send me comments about, well, in the amateurs, they give a fair, they give a fair evaluation. Suck a dick. Whoa. Neil <laughs> Willis. Suck a dick. Whoa, did he tell that woman to bleep his bleep? Wow, wow, Rafe. Um, all right, yeah, okay, um, I guess he don't give a ish. That's that's the way of the world. I don't give a shit. All right, Bob Arum too. Speaking of Bob Arum, did you see his? Uh, actually, obviously, you, fourth wall removed. You saw it because you sent me it. But his response to this whole controversy involving Pulev and that woman, and yeah, and Bob's response to Pulev and that woman. We will not tolerate any slut sh- slut shaming. What the hell does that mean? They use that term. Yeah, slut shame. That I'm slut shaming her by calling her a slut, so therefore it excuses his behavior. I mean, I'm an old guy. I don't understand any of this crap anymore. I know what sexual harassment is. I really do. But that wasn't sexual harassment. Wow. Uh, so there's a lot of places we could go there. I mean, he knows what sexual harassment is, Rave. We had an orgy for two days. Never screwed so many women. Um, Bob's just not ready for these times, right? He's God bless his soul. He'll be 88 soon. He's from a different era, Rafe. All right. And uh, who was this woman that put a microphone in front of his face recently? Did you hear that sound as well, Rafe? You know where I'm going with this? I, I do recall this one, yes. Yeah, uh, asking going? asking one too many questions about uh, Senator Manny Pacquiao. So obviously he's going to do whatever he wants. Yeah, right. All right, fight. enough. All right, yeah. <laughs> wow. Uh, make that man a sandwich. Very interesting stuff going on there, Rafe. I mean, me, I couldn't give seven shits about it. but You have two fighters going to beat seven kinds of shit out of each other. And All right, Ross Amber. That is also <laughs> the color of my energy. Wow. <laughs> All right. Um, you got anything else, Rafe, in the news cycles here? What else we got? Maybe I should call up, uh, call up the old boxing scene. Uh, what do you got? You got anything else you want to talk about in box? Or we could just bring this Farhood fella in. 
You could do that. I mean, there's always, oh, you know, Vos- there's always something going on. Vosdik Bitterbeev. You better believe it. October 18th, hell of a fight. Unification. Yeah. That one's got fight of the year written all over it. Maybe not because sometimes the high level matchups don't, don't get all the way there, but I wouldn't, I wouldn't be surprised, man, because, ooh, the styles match up nice. Beterbiev has power and he's, and, and, you know, we've seen him rocked a little bit here and there. It, man, I'm, that, that's a great fight. That's my, that's, that's, I think my favorite matchup yes. of the year. Just like I am. That is what boxing should be about. Archer that is, has a stick. He has, yeah, he has two sticks, man. He got, he got a tripod. Um, the other thing. Yes, yes, yes. <laughs> I saw today reported is uh the WBC ordering my man, the Iceman, Victor Postal gets a mandatory shot at Jose Ramirez. You Ooh. know I love me some Postal. I think that's a good fight, that's man. That's a good ass fight. I know we're we might be pulling a Dwyer uh here and believing in a fighter who no longer exists. But I still I He exists, man. He's real. It's just that he doesn't get the love anymore. He you know, once once Bud's didn't send him to hell, but outclassed him. He just yeah. kind of got banished to the to, to Europe, but he can still fight. Speaking of Bud Crawford, um, top rank just signed Amir Imam now that he's out of Don King hell. Uh, do you think they're going to match him up since Crawford has no one else to fight? Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Yeah. And shoot, you know, it, 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 it's, it's not a great look, but I still like it better than Bud fighting Mean Machine or Bisputin or any of Bob's other Russians. My Lithuanians, uh, yeah, yeah. Yeah, I, I just, I, I, Amir Imam is a ta- he's a talented guy. He clearly, he, I think he has some chin issues. He doesn't see, like, he got, Ramirez out-toughed him. He just beat, you know, he wanted, he, he, he really, he took the fight to him and, and beat him down over, over those 12 rounds and earned that championship. But I remember thinking beforehand that Amir Imam looked like the more talented guy and he might be, but he just doesn't, I don't think that, anyway, look, it's better, it's better than Bud Crawford against Luis Colazo. I, I like Luis Colazo. He's from, you know, he's from New York. He's like 80 years old and ageless. He's got more tattoos every year. He's sometimes he's already completely covered in tattoos. Comes back covered in more. A lot of things to like about him, but come on, I, I, at least I can this. I can kind of talk myself into some interest for Amir Imam. Speaking of Bud, Brian, I know you don't wake up early in the early enough in the morning and listen to podcasts fast enough to get through this, but let me already recommend for you and our listeners. Joe Rogan had. An hour and 45 minutes with Bud Crawford and Bomac today. How was it? To this day. And it was good. Bud. Topics? It was awesome. It was really good. Speak it. Believe it. Let me receive it. What do you got for topics? Well, you know what I think was smart is they just talked about fighting, which seems to be the, the, the thing that Crawford really lights up about he he likes to talk about beating guys up because that's what he does so well <laughs> i think one of the mistakes we've made in boxing media and perhaps it, overall the, the top rank in selling him a little bit is trying to draw out the personality and the story and he's got an amazing story right i mean surviving a, a gunshot wound to the head is is yeah, we incredible talk about that that's but he's like not a- he, he doesn't he won't you know and understand look i don't uh, we have never been in that position and I don't judge how he chooses to to relate that experience, but this is just like he's on his own terms. He's 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 relaxed. He's laughing. They're telling. They're going back and forth, telling stories. Joe Rogan, back to back weeks, 
Bernie Sanders and Bud Crawford. Where else do you get that? <laughs> hey, speaking of telling stories, I was in L.A., as I mentioned, to do a couple PBC face-to-face. That's a service I am a part of, episodes. We did Spence Porter, Rafe, ahead of their September 28th Fox pay-per-view. It was That's really a long good. way, Brian. It's a long way. Uh, it was really, really good. And in the car ride interview portion, which you'll hear those interviews on this podcast ahead of the fight, uh, Kenny Porter dressed to the nines was there. They, the Porters hired security, by the way, for that whole day. They said, hmm. Sean said not to defend from team Spence just in general. And I was like, okay. But I did ask Kenny Porter as he was exiting the car. He was sort of saying like, hey, you're going to talk to Errol next? Ask him about the losses he took as an amateur when I was training him. Ask him about who was the last guy to be there when he lost. And then I said, I turned around. I said, Kenny, it's a long way from the lip to the cup. I don't know if Errol knows that. And he said, long way. Long way. It was such a great interaction, Ray. Floyd, there's a long way from the lip to the cup. I'm sure he don't understand what that means. Um, I also got a chance at the uh, hotel before we jumped in the car to talk to uh, Samson. Ray, I want to talk to Samson, right? Fly me to the I'm moon. I'm on Samson. Uh, Samson Lukowitz, and uh, he wasn't wearing the chains. Remember he used to wear like a Mr. Ooh, T yeah, level the, of chains? Oh, those are great. And then he toned it down a- after the Magomed incident. He just felt bad. Um, he had no chains, but I asked him about uh, your, your campeon. You're a champion. Fundora? No. Well, I did. Okay, so first I asked him about Fundora, and I basically asked him for you. And he says, look, Fundora has a real chin. He can fight. He only knows fighting. He's going to be somebody. I was like, damn, okay. Number two, I asked him about the great Madavia, about that comeback. Oh, oh my said, champion. I'm. Yes, he said, not going to happen. He said he's already fat again. I'm like, what? He goes, he got into shape a little bit, thinking he wanted to come back, but he's got too much money to come back. He's doing very well living part-time between Spain and Argentina, Rafe, and he's, um, he's, you know, he's, he's put on a little bit of pounds now. He's allowed to do that, Rafe. Shout out to Argentine boxing. These guys, they know how to do it. They go, they go back, they make that money last, they get fat. Shout out to Chino. Shout out to Maravilla, my champions. Make that money, player. Indeed, Richie. Right? Yeah, right. Yeah, damn. Um, you'll also be seeing an episode of David Benavides and Andre Durrell that, uh, I wasn't quite able to summon the fires that I intended to. Did you check out my, uh, Arislandi Lara Canelo's brother episode that debuted Sunday on Fox? I hope that one makes it to the internet because I'm actually pretty curious about how that worked out. All right. Did you do you also uh, peep my other project that I'm part of, uh, PBC Countdown, ahead of the pay-per-view fights? Shout out to my good buddy Curran Batia who produces that. He also has a podcast called Ask the Experts. I don't know if you've seen that one as well, right? Oh, I've seen that podcast. People like it. I, I look. I don't. I, they need to put this stuff on the internet, otherwise I won't see it. I don't even have a television screen in my house at the moment. I just moved, man. Oh, I, I'm man. making moves right now. Make that move, player. Not in the Bartholomew house, indeed. All right, Rafe. Uh, I think that'll do it. It's time for uh, for for Farhood. You ready? Let's do this. Let's bring in the Hall of Famer right now. Coming at you, Steve Farhood. Enjoy. <laughs> All right, hashtag Farheads Unite. Get that fan base together. Let's bring in the Hall of Famer himself, Steve Farhood, State of Combat. He's back with us, Showtime's own, an all-timer 
when it comes to a man with boxing knowledge and one of my favorite people on the road to grab a beer with and talk shop. Steve, welcome back to the pod. How are you, my friend? I'm doing great. End of the dog days of summer and uh, ready to resume full boxing activities. And it's a pleasure to be on with you guys. Thanks for having me on. Hot town summer in the city. Are we talking to you right now from that island, the island that birthed Rafe Bartholomew, Manhattan? Or have you already made the journey to Broken Arrow, Oklahoma for Friday night? (laughs) Can't wait to go to Broken Arrow. I don't know what to expect. I know it's going to be hot there. No, I'm leaving tomorrow morning. Uh, for Showbox, which will be on Friday night. And uh, I'm in the city right now, and it's hot. But, you know, that's why God invented air conditioning, so we're okay. That is very, very true. We're going to talk all things Showbox in a few minutes there. But, uh, hey, Rafe, we always get fired up when we get Steve Farhart on because you can talk about anything with him. Load watch, you can really drop anything on him. Where do you want to start with this guy? We've been blessed with some time here. Oh, now that you've challenged me to get as dumb as possible, Brian, I want to ask Steve, I almost challenge him here to work in a reference to the John Travolta, Christian Slater film, Broken Arrow, on the broadcast. Well, now that you said that, I will do it. And to make matters worse, I will not credit you at all. So it's really unfair. But uh, I will work in, I, I am not aware of that movie. Either John am I. John Travolta and... And Christian and Slater, it's one. It's it's a Slater. pretty good action flick if you're into that sort of thing. John Travolta, kind of as a rogue, uh, rogue military contractor stealing nuclear warheads. Christian Slater trying to get them back. I think somehow a woman shows up in the desert and he saves her too. Wow. Okay, I'm working that in, and 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 maybe I'll give you guys credit, but probably not because, as you know, as a writer, what we do best is steal from each other. So. Uh, Steve, it's been a few weeks since we've even gotten together to collaborate on this podcast, Rafe and myself. A lot of big boxing headlines. In some ways, it's been a weird summer, a dead summer at times, although we did have the big one in Pacquiao Thurman. But um, Canelo will not stay out of the news lately, Steve. And I want to talk to you specifically about this. We all know he may fight this fall linked to a million different opponents. Maybe he hates Oscar De La Hoya now. We don't really know what's going on. But right when all this drama started and you heard the rumors of of displeasure there, I got flashbacks to Floyd buying himself out of his top rank deal. You getting those feels now like this could be a major warning for Golden Boy? Well, clearly things are not uh, very happy and fuzzy between the two. And, and I think the difference between, you know, a, a top rank in the past and, and, and Golden Boy today is how important is Canelo to, to Golden Boy? Where is Golden Boy without Canelo? Now, sure, they have a lot of good young prospects. They have a lot of good young fighters, actually. But Canelo is the number one draw in boxing, number one pay-per-view star, number one streaming star, whatever you want to, want to say. So, you know, the, the stakes are very high. And uh, he seems like, uh, you know, right or wrongly, he seems like a guy of principle because the one, the one thing I tell people about Canelo all the time, and I'd be curious if you guys agree, dating back to when he was younger, you know, a lot of fighters, big-name fighters, talk about wanting to fight the best. Very few really want to do it unless the money's right, unless the political position's right. I feel this is a guy who's always taken some of the tough fights. You know, he, he took on Austin Trout when he didn't have to. He took on Lara, who wants to fight Arislandi Lara. He fought, obviously fought Mayweather before he was at his best. So when he says he wants to fight the best, I believe it. All politics aside and his problems with Golden Boy aside, um, he's one of the few fighters where when he speaks that, I, I tend to, to listen just because of his history. I, I think that is absolutely true. He actually, I don't, I don't even think Canelo gets as much credit for that 
as he possibly deserves. I think some of that has to do with how close a lot of those fights have been and how he always seems to get the benefit of the doubt on the scorecards, which is not new to boxing, but fans hold it against him. And one of the things I've noticed in the sort of the, the rumor mill about whatever he will do next, uh, is people, a lot of fans just really want a third Golovkin fight. More so than I think a lot of us in media will, will look at, uh, Canelo wanting to fight Sergey, Sergey Kovalev. And, and, uh, and we think, man, that's interesting. Like, shoot, I'd see that. And, and almost. That's damn near Leonard Lalonde, Rafe. That's a, that's some (laughs) balls right there. I guess that's that's the way I see it. Yeah. I mean, I, to me, you know, uh, Canelo for Rocky Fielding, so what? Right, Rocky Fielding, what kind of credentials did he have? That was 168. We're talking about another division up. Canelo's, what, five, maybe five eight, five nine. You know, uh, granted he's a thick middleweight, but, but, I mean, to fight Kovalev, to me, at this point, I find that more intriguing than a third fight with, with, uh, Triple G. That's just. Oh, the, the Golovkin fans are going to come after you hard for that. <laughs> That's okay. I, I love Golovkin. I mean, how can you not love Golovkin? But, you know, Golovkin's got his own problems now with Derevianchenko, who's not an easy fight, and uh, let him fight him. But, you know, it, it's it, sometimes you just got you want to move along. If the fighters have other options that are viable and interesting to the fans, move along. You know, it's pretty clear that Canelo doesn't like Golovkin very much, you know, whether it's because of Golovkin's reaction to Canelo's drug thing or I, whatever it is. It seems more more personal and professional, and he doesn't seem very anxious to give him a third fight. For sure. Uh, I actually, Steve, I do want to get back to this, this showbox card on Friday. I just listened to our friends, uh, on the Showtime Championship Boxing Podcast, Eric Raskin and Kieran Mulvaney break it down a little bit. I want to know sort of who are you excited to see on this card? Are, are you high on, on, uh, Vladimir Shiskin and, and our, uh, and a, a little bit about the, if you have any backstory on, Jaron Ennis getting added sort of as a late uh, addition. I guess you're not going to get – he's not going to be on the broadcast, but you'll get to see him fight again. And I know he's been good on Showbox in the past. Yeah, I'm guessing we'll we'll show highlights of both uh, Ennis and a fighter named Brandon Lee who will be on the next Showbox fight. So I think you'll see highlights. Neither one is I, – I don't think is matched uh, – will, will, will be matched all that tough. But, yeah, I'm very anxious to see Shishkin. He's like a continuation of a of a trend that's not a new trend, but it's still an interesting trend, which is that – these fighters from the former Soviet Union fighting, you know, for world titles and moving up so fast. I mean, you know, uh, Shishkin's a super middleweight. We've always been taught that the bigger the weight, the later the prime. But when you look at guys like Usyk and, and, and Shishkin and, and some of these other guys, not to put Shishkin in Usyk's class yet, but they they, they seem to, to be moving so rapidly, and obviously it's because of the tremendous um, – amateur background they have but the one thing that that's changed over the years is is when i when, you know in my early days in the olympics which is the highest level of amateur boxing there was one fighter from russia in the olympics after the fall of the soviet union all of a sudden you have 17 different countries now you have an olympian from uzbekistan an olympian from kazakhstan an olympian from ukraine russia etc it's given these fighters from some of these other former soviet countries a tremendous opportunity to shine in, in the brightest of lights, which Yusuk has done, Lomachenko has done. So I think that the change in politics geographically and, and politically in the world actually affected boxing. Interesting stuff there. Um, Shishkin taking on DeAndre Ware on Friday night. Showbox, the new generation main event. Steve, what time? Is that an 11 p.m. Eastern start 
Am I missing the time here? No, it's uh, 10 local, so I want to say 9 Eastern. 9 I Eastern. Hope getting, I hope I'm getting that right because if not, Showtime's going to be pissed off. Yeah, yeah. Make sure I you get that right. Correct. You're calling this card on Showtime. Um, If we haven't seen Shishkin, if I'm going to tell you I haven't seen him, what type of fighter are we seeing in comparison to sort of the stereotype that we get of this class of Eastern Euros coming in and, and dominating of late? Well, he's not going to shock you in the way he fights. He's kind of on the tall side, about 6'1", uh, stand-up guy. Kind of uses his feet the way uh, Bivol does, in that he'll take two steps forward, two steps back. You know, he's one of those guys. Um, not necessarily an in-fighter. But, um, and, and, you know, until a fighter fights in America against American-inspired competition, it's very hard to judge. But this guy, Shishkin, who will be making his only his ninth pro start, does have a win against Najib Mohammadi, who was a former world title challenger, probably a little faded, but he stopped him in the 10th round in his most recent fight. So, to me, that stands out, and when I see his record, that separates him from a lot of the other Russian prospects. Uh, this is a card in Oklahoma, so I'm sure the nightlife scene for you and Raul Marquez after this uh, in and Barry Tompkins potentially after the uh, lights go off is going to be fantastic but Oklahoma are we going to get some Trey Lippy Morris in action is this kid on the card this week he Lippy will be on the card and as far as the nightlife I can't keep up with Barry much less Raul I mean are you kidding me <laughs> so, so. I'll be I'll be in my room asleep, and those guys will just be getting started. So. Well, well, Trey's got this got the sexy name, the son of Tommy Morrison, the former world champion, the the late slugger. Uh, where are we at in the development of this kid it, from the idea of of you know looking and fighting like the old man? Well, you know he does have power. There's no doubt about that. Even Freddie Roach in the in the few fights that Freddie trained him uh, did say that. So the guy's got legit power. I've seen him live a couple of times. His career has had stops and starts, but the good news is he's a heavyweight, and that's good news for two reasons. One is obviously heavyweights peak later, and two, you know, how much does it take at heavyweight to become a player? You know, one fight. So Trey Lippy Morrison could be fighting on undercards against, you know, a soft opposition, and all of a sudden he fights sort of a breakthrough fight, wins it if he does, and all of a sudden he's a player with a big name, so he's going to be very marketable. So, you know, his his advancement has been slowed by injuries, uh, but again, I, I think that just because of his name, he's, he's, that separates him from a lot of the other prospects. And at heavyweight, if you have a punch or if you have a chin, if you happen to have both, you're really in good shape. But it doesn't take much at heavyweight to, to contend. That's that's a very good point. We've learned that from the great Peter McNeely over the years. Where's my <laughs> sound bite when I need it? You have a big dump in your pants. Yes, Ray, if you wanted to say something. Oh, yeah. Thank you for that introduction, Mr. McNeely. Um, I actually wanted to sort of look at the other, the, so the biggest fight of the weekend, uh, Kovalev and Anthony Yard in uh, Kovalev's hometown, Chelyabinsk, Russia. Uh, Steve, this is a, such an interesting fight just because there, there's so many wild cards in it, and you could see it going in a number of ways. I guess the, the, the conservative pick is going with the, you know, the established, the, 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 the known quantity in Kovalev. But how do you, what, what do you think of that fight? Interesting fight made more interesting by the fact that Kovalev could be looking at a Canelo fight down the road, obviously. So, but Yard is exactly the kind of young, somewhat unproven, but young, very good prospect that, you would think an older fighter who might be on the downside like Kovalev would, would want to stay away from. Now, he's, he has to fight him. He doesn't have a choice if he wants to keep his belt, I guess. It's a mandatory fight. But uh, from the little bit I've seen of Yard on YouTube, uh, he's, sort of, he's an interesting fighter. I think Buatzi, the, the Olympian over in England, gets a little more press. 
he's had fewer fights and he's not as as advanced as Yard. But uh, uh, I I can't wait to see it. I, I I'm a big Kovalev fan as a boxer. I just find him fascinating to watch. One of the most heavy-handed guys in boxing, and um, I'll, I'll definitely be watching. I think it's uh, an important fight for Kovalev's future because he's either going to be fighting the number one guy in boxing or lose his title and become, you know, yesterday's news. Yeah, I didn't want to move too quickly on the idea of him facing Canelo. And it's interesting here because I know Kovalev, this is the new theme. Well, he's not the same guy he once was. Well, okay, he's not the same guy who originally won the world title and did the crotch chop to Cleverly and then knocked him out. That's fine. But when he outboxed Elider Alvarez in that rematch, I mean, good God, he, he didn't look washed by any means. He showed you he could still carry out a game plan, could still jab, could still box. So, Steve, of all the... The big ball moments Canelo has shown us over the years of, of gut. You said he'd been willing to fight anybody. And let's not forget, he was also willing to fight Archie Solis on that sidewalk in Guadalajara that time <laughs> over the girl problems um, and knock out a few teeth. But uh, this was the most shocking to me. This is the most like, holy crap, that guy has balls. So what is Canelo seeing that we don't? I mean, outside of his own braveness and toughness, you know, how far past it is Colflip? Because personally, I don't think he is that far past it. Well, certainly judging by the Alvarez rematch, he's not. Now, you know, you, you want to judge the guy by two fights against Andre Ward. Well, Andre Ward was the number one fighter in boxing. But, you know, look, Kovalev is, what, what is he? How old is he? He's 36. Uh, 37 pro fights. Okay, I'm looking at his box rec record as we speak. He's fighting Yard. Yard is a big puncher. You know, how much we think of Kovalev is going to largely be, because we're, we we have such um, such limited view in boxing, everything is always about a guy's last fight. We're probably going to overrate the, the significance of this fight in terms of judging Kovalev, but that's what we're going to do. We're going to see how he does against Yard and go from there. But, um, I, you know, I, I think what does Canelo see? I think he sees a belt. You know, uh, watching the fight as observers, watching boxing as observers, I think we very often underrate the significance of belts to fighters. We say, oh, it's just another belt. It's a gold belt. It's a diamond this. It's a pro emeritus this. You know, a lot of, a lot of bull crap. We know that. But fighters don't see it that way. And they see belts and they see divisions. And he says, you know, I want to be a champion for divisions. And that's what he sees. And, and going after it against Kovalev is a lot different than going after it against Rocky Fielding. Let's put it that way. Yeah, damn right. Uh also in the boxing news this week, I don't know if you follow Rafe's colleague on Twitter at The Athletic, Mike Coppinger. Have you ever heard of this? I do. Young quality Sure, blog? I know Mike well, yeah. All right. Uh, he put out, you know, that piece people like to put out every few years, the top 25 most powerful people in the sport. Did you get a chance to skim this? I skimmed it, and when I didn't see my name, I didn't I was, bother reading I was going to say, I've talked to Mike. He did say Steve Farhood was number 26, late cut by the editors. But look, it's the usual suspects, the Steven Espinosas, the Floyd Mayweathers, the Oscar De La Hoyas, in terms of power. But the top few, number one, Al Heyman, two, three, right. four, five, Canelo, Super Agent Nick Khan, Bob Arum, Eddie Hearn, the usual suspects. Any surprises you agree with that top five there? It's hard to argue. Those are all obviously power players. You know, boxing is so fragmented today, maybe more so than it's ever been, that, you know, whoever heads a certain network or a certain promotional outfit is going to going to have tremendous power. Um, yeah, I, I don't have an argument with that. Um, I guess that list changes all the time because, you know, you think about a list like that a couple of years ago and nobody from HBO. Well, there is no HBO anymore for boxing. So that that's kind of a, a big change in the way it used to be where 
that the head of HBO boxing, whether it be, you know, Ross Greenberg or whoever it was at the time, would have been obviously high on that list. So that's changed. But um, and, and, and credit to DAZN for, for having a couple of guys on that list. Um, you know, they didn't exist a year ago. We didn't we never heard of DAZN a year ago. And, you know, in a very short time, that tells you a lot about boxing as a business, that they've made such an imprint in such a short time. You can't do that in other sports. You can do it in boxing. Yeah, and one thing, and talk about sort of coming in and making an imprint, and perhaps uh, this this guy's not on the list because he doesn't currently have a role in boxing, but he's talking about it. There's all the rumors about Dana White and Zufa boxing coming in and making some sort of uh, power play in the sport. I guess, like, if you, if you've listened to, like, say, his podcast with Chris Mannix last week, or just heard about it, how how could someone come in and shake up the sport and change the the way things are run, is that possible even in boxing where, you know, it's, it's, this is, a, this sport is its own animal and everyone comes in and talking like that and they either usually conform to the old ways or get sent home packing? Well, yeah, it's possible. And what it takes is, is money. It doesn't necessarily take brains because we've seen a lot of people come in who, filthy rich from other businesses and fall on their face and lose their shirts in boxing. You know, there was a millionaire woman from Texas named Josephine Abercrombie years ago. She she was a Houston Boxing Association. She was around for a long time and then managed to lose quite a bit of money. You think of uh, then the, then you have the, the illegal <laughs> people throwing around illegal money like uh, Harold Rossfield Smith. And then you have, uh, you know, PBC, which spent, you know, in, in that experiment, spent, what, $700 million or $600 million of a hedge fund. So it, it, it's that's the reason i think that boxing is different from other sports you can you personally you if i handed you arguably you know just imagine 500 million dollars you can make an an impact in boxing in in five minutes just by throwing some of that money around can't do that in other sports and that's why that list power list of boxing people is going to change basically every five minutes very interesting stuff indeed we couldn't uh get you out of here steve without talking about the sexiest topic in boxing, the heavyweight division, the comings and goings, the rumors, the the quotes, all this stuff. We know sort of the big landmarks coming up on the horizon from the idea of Wilder Ortiz 2 and a potential build toward Wilder Fury 2 next February. But Tyson Fury has an in-between first against unbeaten Otto Wallen. To a lot of people, that's who, but... Fought on Showtime a couple times, right? He surely ain't no schwaz. What a, what a, what can you tell us from your time watching the tape on Otto Wallen and whether this will be a little bit more competitive than that ESPN debut? Well, it's really hard to make any kind of judgment on, on Otto Wallen. He's been on, on a Showtime Championship Boxing Special Edition when Clarissa for a hammer. We saw one round of him against Nick Kisner when there was a butt and the fight was stopped, so... Didn't get any taste at all. And then he was supposed to be on a show box. Uh, I'm not sure if it was. I think it was our last show. And, uh, you know, his opponent fell out for medical reasons. So uh, BJ Flores. So we didn't get to see him at all. So he's, he's one round in two show box fights. Um, obviously, I've watched tape on the guy. He's, you know, pretty much uh, consistently consistent with the European style. He's a tall stand-up guy. If he's going to win, he's going to do it with his left hand. And, and you know, he's, he's more of a boxer than a puncher. And we know Fury is unique in his dimensions and his abilities. So it's it's a very tough spot for Valin. But I think Valin would have benefited tremendously from the rounds that he could have gotten on Showbox against, you know, mid-level opposition. Now he's fighting one of the top three heavyweights in the world, and it's asking a lot because he's just not coming off very much uh, activity. 
Well, I guess we're all going to find out how good he is in that moment. And uh bigger picture here, we know we also have Anthony Joshua and Andy Ruiz Jr., the rematch that is going to really explain a lot, considering three of the four titles are at stake in terms of where we go moving forward here. Uh, Saudi Arabia, Steve. You, uh. Why you, didn't they invite me? I could have been a con, I, I could have done diplom, diplomatic work. I was gonna say easy. that had to pop you. Come on. I don't know. I don't know. Well, here's the thing about that fight I think that's fascinating to me. If you talk to, and I've read, like you guys have read, and you've heard podcasts and everything else, if you talk to 50 boxing people, 25 will tell you that Josh was making a huge mistake coming back right away against the guy who just knocked him out. And 25 will tell you he has to do it. It's the right move. 25 will tell you he should change trainers from a Kraken. 25 will tell you he doesn't have to. So it's a very split you know, split world on, on, on Anthony Joshua. It, what happened shocks all of us so much that it's very hard to get a, a firm grasp of where he's at. But obviously we're going to find out. And what kind of shape is Ruiz going to be in? That, that, that's another question that there's no great answer to. But I'm saying from the standpoint, uh, money aside, obviously it's in Saudi Arabia because of money. We'd been sort of waiting for years if they were going to dig up that fortune in the sand, as Aram used to say, to get Pacquiao Khan somewhere in the Middle East. But the big money's there right now. We get why it's there. But what about from a, if you're looking to protect Anthony Joshua, wouldn't coming back to maybe 90,000 in an English soccer stadium be sort of a softer landing from the idea of building him back up and giving him a chance to redeem this? Am I looking too deeply here, Steve? Well, I think you, you can look at it as a double-edged sword. You know, fighting at home could create so much pressure. I mean, as if there's not enough pressure on Joshua to begin with to perform and to knock this guy out. If he's fighting at home between the media and everything else, there's even more pressure. Maybe Saudi Arabia is providing a little bit of uh, isolation and a little quiet and a little, you know, a little, make it easier for him to focus. You could argue that as well. And one question about sort of the, the uh, controversy, whether you are, you know, feel strongly about it or just say it's boxing regarding Saudi Arabia as the site. Mm-hmm. I'm more curious, Steve, about sort of your experience over the years in fights you've covered or, or worked as a broadcaster. What – how, what what is is there a fight that that you covered that you that you called that had that some sort of outside controversy around it and and how did you sort of how did you handle it as a broadcaster how did you handle it I, it's easier to cover as a writer but if there's one you, sure. you called uh how do you how do you handle that in the moment well you know obviously some of the tyson fights toward the end were were filled with with outside influences and outside pressures um uh, you know, I remember uh, having a schedule to go to uh, to Russia to do uh, was it Povetkin and Wilder when Povetkin no, tested right. positive, I believe. Yeah, I was a day or two before. So, so I, that I had that, and I had South Africa years ago where I was wow. going to go. It was it was you know it was during apartheid. So I, I think, and I don't know if you guys agree, but I think as a boxing journalist, look, I'm absolutely disgusted by the human rights situation in Saudi Arabia. It's horrible. There's no excusing it. But I think as a boxing journalist, we don't have a choice if we're going to cover the sport to sort of become much less judgmental than we might otherwise be. You know, and that, that's in terms of the athletes, their behavior, um, sometimes <laughs> the promoters and their behavior um, and everything else. So I, I think you have to kind of lower your guard and say, I'm not going to be too judgmental if I'm going to cover this sport, because if you are going to be very hard to, to be part of the sport on a day-to-day basis. Do you, do you agree with that? I, I do. It questions your morals daily, Steve. Forget the uh, yeah. forget the deaths in the ring and stuff like that, some of the business stuff as well. It's a dirty, sure. rotten sport, but, man, we can't get enough of this 
this hooker, this sport, this red light. Bert Sugar nailed it, right? Well, he probably did nail it too as well. But I mean, look, it's a, it's <laughs> it's the best and the worst all rolled into one, Steve. And I like it that is, edge. I is. like that. And, and you mentioned fatalities. If you don't question boxing, if you I've seen six fighters die in the ring myself. If you don't question, you know, uh, the, the existence of the sport and the moral, you know, the moral angle of the sport the ethical moral angle, then you don't have a heart. So, you know, it, 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 it challenges us in many ways being boxing journalists. But ultimately, I think, you know, you have to sort of drop your judgmental guard a little bit if you're going to cover some of these guys, some of these fights, some of these venues, and some of these promoters. Yeah. I think the one thing that got under my skin a little bit about this particular situation is that a lot of the things we describe are are – sort of baked into to the cake of boxing boxer you know boxers in their lives outside of the sport often have done or continue to do really bad things uh mm -hmm. they come from countries that we don't always agree with uh in our western mindset or as americans or whatever they they're they're those are sort of unavoidable and 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 yes we we sort of compartmentalize, deal with it in various ways. And just like you mentioned, the danger of the sport, the the questionable morality some people see of the sport. That is all right. part of the sport. This these fighters aren't Saudi. They aren't, you know, there is no this is the just the the and look, cash grabs are part of boxing too, but this was <laughs> basically just we're going to go here for some money. Uh, and, and there is no inherent connection to this particular like we didn't have to uh, deal with this particular conflict, it was put upon us. Right. Well, you know, you can draw some parallels with the South Africa situation years yeah. ago. There was always big time boxing in South Africa. Bob Foster fought there. You know, there, there were segregated crowds in South Africa. Um, a lot of performers in other in other uh, entertainment in industries chose not to go there, and it's totally understandable and, and probably right uh, at the time. So, uh, you know, there there are parallels to be drawn. Uh, but I agree with you. I, I, I think it's it's maybe not for us to decide, you know, whether it's right or wrong to, to be there at all. I personally, I ain't going to play Sun City, Steve, ever. And that's just the way I <laughs> roll. Steve, great talking to it. you, man. Final question here. Um, You're a Hall of Famer. You've already hit the mountaintop. Yet I've worked alongside you on Showtime broadcast. You still bring it. You can do a multitude of roles. You're still working. But when you're working as a Hall of Famer, are you allowed to kind of just, you know, unbutton the buckle at ringside, maybe let an F-word drop out? I mean, what are they going to do, fire you? You're a Hall of Famer. You ever just kind of roll up the sleeves and go, you know what? I'm going to enter my uh, my late years here and just bring it. <laughs> let me tell you, Nick Charles and I, the, the, my dear, great friend Nick Charles, who's passed away a long time ago, now about 10 years ago, we used to fantasize and talk about wouldn't it be great if we could call a fight the way two guys sitting on a couch or at a bar stool really talk? <laughs> Like, like, did you see that effing punch he just landed? You know, except we wouldn't say effing, obviously. And that would be so much fun. And, and you know, you combine that with the old Showtime saying, a network saying of Showtime, no limits. Yes. And it would be really cool. But, of course, it would be the last broadcast I'd ever do, and I'm not ready to retire that's yet. That's a so fair point. That's going to have to wait. But maybe my last broadcast, whenever that comes, maybe maybe Barry and I will do that if Barry uh, agrees to it. All right. So no load watches on this weekend's broadcast, but we will see you Friday night. I looked it up. 10 p.m. Eastern, Steve. 10 p.m. Eastern. Okay. From Nine Broken local. Arrow, Oklahoma. It's Showbox, the new generation on Showtime. Vladimir Shishkin, DeAndre Ware in the main event. Steve on the call. Steve, thanks for going around the horn with us. Always a pleasure on this end of the line. My pleasure as well, guys. Thanks for having me on, and I hope to do it again soon.
we're back. Special thanks again to Steve Farhood. Rafe, I could just turn on the recorder. He's one of those guys. You know, when you're at a fight, you have a beer with him, you just talk turkey. The guy's fantastic. He is one of the most deserving Hall of Famers in the Boxing Hall of Fame. I, you, you can't, I can't get enough of that, man. Love his work on Showtime. He, he also, you see him at the zone cards. He does the international call and all that. Uh, a fantastic fellow indeed. We touched on a lot of those hot button topics of the moment. But, uh, Rafe, it's, it's about time to get into the weekend and find out whether you do care. You good with that? Oh yeah. I, I, I am ready. Okay. Here we go. And it begins Thursday night, Rafe. Oh, I care. In your old backyard in Indio, California. It's a ringtv.com card. Golden Boy in the house. Luis Feliciano versus Gennaro Gamez. Ten rounds junior middleweights in the main event. Get that out of here. You don't I care about that. You want the Flair Blair Cobbs versus Steve Villalobos. Ten rounds welterweights. Co-main event. Yeah, maybe. Talk Blair. to me. I'm Talk into to me, it. Blair Cobbs. I'm into it. I mean, is it going to be somebody, Rafe, or is he another? Uh... That's hard to say. He he's a little wild in there, but it, you know, I've I've actually talked to a few people who he worked out with, tra- people who trained him a little bit in Philly when he during a part of his career before he moved out to Vegas and kind of reinvented himself. They said the guy can fight. They said that 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 he has that kind of. He's a even among a sport with a lot of great athletes, his athleticism stands out. Said his power is real. And if he can kind of stay sharp, that was what they said that since leaving Philly, they thought had slipped a little bit was that he had gotten a little wilder. He might, he's not, he's not getting that, that, that work that you, I guess that you can get in Philadelphia, although Las Vegas ain't a bad boxing town either. Not um, at all. But right. yo, flare, flare me up. Woo. Yeah, flare, flare me up. Indeed. Thank you. No more slut shaming. Thank you, Bob Aram. All right, uh, we talked about it Friday night, Broken Arrow, it's showtime, it's showbox. Vladimir Shishkin, DeAndre Ware, super middleweights, 10 rounds main event. Uh, we got Shojahan Ergashev versus Abdiel Ramirez, junior welterweights in the co-main. That's not moving you, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Jerron no. Boots Ennis versus Franklin Mamani, 10 rounds buried on that junior middleweight on that uh, undercard we'll find out about that all right i would rather brian see him fight uh the comanche boy oklahoma oh, legend how did we not talk to george uh top Nida. george top of doing who sent him to hell was it delvin out of I, I, it's gotta be your delvin top of the night piss out of him that that fn that, uh, that was uh our man delvin yeah shout yeah. out to delvin taking photos with us in the hotel bar with, with back junior after- yeah that yeah, was the same night that you Malinaji almost and Garcia. You almost lost your beautiful lady to uh Ricky Lopez. Uh DSG's. How dare, how dare you? I just have enough confidence not to intervene in situations like that. <laughs> wow. All right, let's riff here, Rafe. Let's riff a bit on boxing. Uh Friday night, Everett, Massachusetts, streaming live on UFC Fight Pass. Sounds like a de- maybe a Debella production. Abraham Nova versus Miguel Beltran Jr., ten rounds, junior lightweights. Uh, no, which which is that? Oh, that's a Mc- that's a uh, that's a Roy drop, Jones. Right? I think it's a Dropkick Murphy's uh, collaboration too. Uh, okay, uh, Murphy's boxing because the third fight on the card is Gary Spike O'Sullivan versus Diego Morochi, eight rounds, junior middleweights. You you back in on that guy? Sullivan's a fun character. If he can build himself up, get another shot, why not? Okay, okay, we're we're, we're fine with that. Uh, Saturday night is the fight we care about this weekend. I say night. I'm probably wrong. It's from Chelebinsk, Russia. 
It's ESPN Plus. Do you know what time this airs, Rafe, this main card? I don't know off the top of my head, but you're right. If it's in Russia, it'll probably be in the early evening here on the in Eastern time zone, which I'm still getting used to, or in the middle of the afternoon out there in uh in where 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 did I used to live? California. Yeah. Um it's I think I think Anthony Yard, I saw him arrive uh not in person, but I saw on Twitter he arrived at the the Chelyabinsk airport last night without his luggage didn't show up a little little suspicious and he said it's three hours ahead about three hours ahead of the UK which means that it's about eight hours ahead of the east coast which means that I would expect to see it sometime in the afternoon let's talk about this fight it's Kovalev coming back we talked about it briefly there with Steve Anthony Yard big step up here uh, a lot of big business for Kovalev ahead potentially Canelo if he wins what kind of fight are you going to look at this in the end? You think Kovalev goes back to the boxing like he did against Castillo in the rematch and keeps this a safe affair, Rafe? You got to think that that because that worked in the past in the in his previous fight in the rematch against Alvarez, because Yard is dangerous even if he is unproven, right? He has not done anything really to deserve this mandatory uh, position that that. What is it? The BA that whatever belt it is has has BO. uh at BO uh that whatever belt it is has has given him. But the guy is a talent. He's got fast hands and he's got power. And I think we can say now that if you catch Kovalev clean like Alvarez did, you might be able to get him out of there. You know, they, they, I guess he the one of the reasons he was not as hot a prospect in the on the Russian scene coming up was that he was. There were questions about his chin. Now, he built himself himself up into a hell of a fighter, and we didn't see that here in the States because he was just, you know, cutting through fools like like a, a hot knife through butter. Um, we did see but, Hopkins hurt him with a jab. No one ever talks about that. Yeah. Um, and so the, the, that, those questions are going to be there. Yard, you know, is, yeah, he's quick and powerful. That, that I think is his chance. And it will be smart for Kovalev to, yeah, you, you, you know, keep that distance, use that really one. He still has, talk about a guy who has a stick. Sergei Kovalev, Sergei Kovalev. He's still got one of the best jabs in boxing, a power jab. He uses regularly accurate can, I mean, knocked Andre Ward off balance in that first round before he ended up getting the knockdown in the second round of their first fight. There, that's gotta be the way that, that Kovalev is looking to, to approach this fight. And if he, if he catches yard with something and hurts him, maybe he'll go in for the finish. But yeah, Kovalev is probably going to be a little bit less of a crusher unless the, the moment calls for it, especially Steve was mentioning this with the chance of a Canelo fight on the horizon. You know he wants that money. You know main events wants that money. That is the the lifeline. That's the I mean talk about a pot of gold at the end of the rainbow. Wow. So do you think that his handlers tell him don't be so handsy. Don't be trying to get in the mile high club on the flight to the fight. <laughs> I, I hope they would tell him that regardless of any situation. I'm sure they they have expressed that desire uh, to to Sergei to please uh, please leave her alone. <laughs> her meaning all of womankind. Yes, leave them ex- uh, besides his wonderful wife. Um, <laughs> you know, <laughs> yeah. Alrighty um, then. Uh, I hope he can do that. I hope. I hope. I mean, 
it's uh, it, but it's also an interesting fight, Brian. Do you, I, where, when, I, on the spectrum of Kovalev, you know, we still have some questions about him, whether it's his stamina, whether it's his age, whether it's his approach to this fight. Is it all the rumors about his drinking, which has never really been substantiated, but also no one has really bent over backwards to, to deny or dismiss all of the stuff about his lifestyle and the problems outside of the ring. And maybe they've always been there and he's always been able to fight through them. Maybe they catches up with him. Do you buy the questions about, are you more worried about the questions about where Kovalev is at for this fight? Or are you more worried about a young untested prospect really stepping way up in class to fight a guy who three years ago was considered a top two or three fighter on the planet who Probably, perhaps hasn't slipped as much as some people think. I'm not worried about any of that, Rafe. I'm looking forward to this fight. I'm excited. All right, I have no worries. Coming. Fair enough. All right, uh, the co-main event is is gets oh, in your wheelhouse. Uh, we're gonna cruise together with Alunga Makabu, a Russian favorite, against Alexei Papin. Twelve rounds cruiserweights. Do you know anything about this Papin fella? I am not that up on Pappin, but you know I love me some Ilunga Jr. Makabu, not the Makabi Games, as you like to call him. <laughs> and, uh, was in a contender for fight of the year already. That that uh, uh, incredible five round war with the Russian Hammer Derevian, not Derevianchenko, uh, Kudryashov. Um, that. Uh, and the throat slash he he threw it he threw it uh at Kudryashov after the second round I mean that was a brutal a fun ass fight and man whether Pappin ends up being that good and pushing him again or if he just goes straight through him I, I'm excited man I, I I want me some more Makabu get him in the let him fight the loser of the WBSS finals because the winner still has unfinished business with our guy uh Glowatsky who got a little bit jobbed in Latvia so who uh, Briatis and Dortikos the loser that guy give let let Makabu fight that I'm in cruiserweight heaven wow wow uh looks like uh I'm trying to find out when this Kovalev fight okay so the card begins at 12 30 p.m eastern time on Saturday Rafe according to boxing scene okay um, so not necessarily breakfast. You can't have, you can have bagels while you're watching the Makabu games a, in that co brunch event. fight. But, uh, did you know that my unintentional mispronunciation of that man's last name brought up the revelation that Eric Raskin is a former Makabe games youth tennis champion? I think that tells you all you need to know about the level of athleticism featured in the Maccabi games. That he, that Eric doesn't play well with others, that he's more of a loner. More That's of a, true. Yeah. These, of yeah. Outside of boxers, these, these individual sport athletes, I don't know if you can trust them. No, you definitely can't. They're definitely weird. You can trust boxers though. Uh, some of them. Some of them are handsy. On Saturday night, Hermosillo, Mexico is the site. DeZone is back with a title bout. Juan Francisco Estrada, Rafe, will defend his WBC Junior Bantam title against Dwayne Beeman. Uh, I mean, action is expected. What do we know about Dwayne Beeman? Well, I mean, you know, he, he, he keeps the ladies steaming, right? Um, oh, wow. Uh, was that, that's the song, right? Uh, Willie, steaming Willie Beeman? I oh, he keeps the ladies creaming. That's oh, even that's worse. Even, that um, is, wow. This guy is trying to shoot 
Wow. Okay. Yeah. That's um, that's about all I know. And I think this is a showcase for Estrada. Good for him. He he deserves one of those every now and then. I wish it wasn't such a prominent fight. I mean, I could use a good fight too, but I'm not gonna blame Estrada for that. Let, he's a great. He he's a top ten pound for pound guy, right? I mean, he top deserves pro, that. Yeah. He's been there for a very long time, winning fights. And let's make this fight. Let's let's move on. Let's beat Steaming Dwayne Beeman. And maybe get that SSR rubber match. Yes, rub that stuff. Listen, Dwayne. Uh, I mean, listen, SSR. Uh, we good friends. I'm sure your daddy ate rats like you, but let's get it on. Let's do this thing, okay? Co-main event, Filip Ergovic, rising Croatian heavyweight against Mario Heredia. Hopefully this will be a Todd Grisham and Sergio Mora production. Love that team. Love that team. Okay. They're, they're great. They are, they are fantastic. Um, do you know who else on this card? Liam Smith, beefy. He's back in a junior middleweight bout against Mario Alberto Lozano. And Rafe, this is what the, this one thing DAZN does really well is gives you a reason to tune into the slop on the inside of these cards. Your boy, Jono Carroll, 10 rounds junior lightweights against Eliezer Valenzuela. Not my boy. I, I look. Both of them, if you look at the odds, they are, they are like minus 500 favorites, the, the UK, the, these top blokes from Ireland and the UK. Um, so I, I don't expect much from these matchups, but yeah, I mean, you, you gotta keep one eye on it or half of one eye on it, a quarter of one, one, one iris, one pupil, something focused just to see what these guys are doing. Cause they are names that matter in the sport who've been in big fights before. And if they win and move on, could be in big fights again. Um, Maybe Beefy gets that rematch. Maybe they're building Beefy to a rematch with Mungia. I'd watch. That was a good fight in Verona. Mungia owes like 15 people rematches. Every time he fights, he owes a new rematch to yes. someone because he can't win clean. He can't fight the tears that keep coming or a moment of truth in his life, Rafe. You know what I'm saying? Like sometimes it feels like the movies, right? Is that your favorite Goo Goo Dolls song, Iris? I have, uh, I, I don't actually know, the, I know who they are, but I don't know. That's the, that's their famous song. That's the, they don't want to win. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's really lame. All right. Uh, Saturday night in Edinburgh, Texas and on FS1. And no, if you're asking, Hey, BC, where's the PBC face to face for this main event? We didn't do one. I don't know why, but Brandon Figueroa, the unbeaten younger brother of the other guy, Omar, We'll put his WBA interim junior featherweight title on the line against Javier Nicholas Chacon. Maybe it'll be a good fight. I don't know, but you have to believe after his older sister Omira <laughs> went viral as his, um, as his, yes, uh, strength coach that people will be tuning in, Rafe. Uh, that, that seems to, I would not doubt it. I like the, the my, I, I'm a, I've watched the Mayweather boxing channel on YouTube and they, they got 3 million views off of just someone pointing a camera at Omira at, at the, the Figueroa and, uh, and Ugas weigh in. Pink, right? And then, and then, and then to, to make it up to her to try and put a little, you know, a, a positive spin on this and not totally exploit this woman. They, <laughs> they gave her an entire video of, to, to herself showing her through the gym that she runs down in Texas. So good for her. Good. She's doing well. She's obviously, um, telegenic. And, um, and, uh, I, I, so is Brandon Figueroa. That's why they hey, call him Brandon, the heartbreaker, look, right? We're good friends. I love your sister. Uh, how, how do we get it on? That's the real question here. Uh, I'm not moved by the co-main event. Stephen Fulton Jr. against Isaac Avalar Jr. Featherweight or Darwin. Stephen Fulton Jr. is a real name? Yeah. Darwin Price against Aaron Herrera Jr. Welterweights. Um, yeah. 
I'm looking down this card to see if PBC's hiding anything we need to see, Rafe. Uh, the answer is no. All right. Also on Saturday from Alpine, California. Is that in your old backyard? UFC Fight Pass will be giving us Connor Coyle versus Rafael Ramon Ramirez. Triple R. Middleweights. No. I don't care. What the hell? No. Uh, no. Uh. no. Um, Saturday in Manila. Manila? How do you say Ooh. that in, in Tagalog? Manila. 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 No, it's your Nila. Actually, uh, we're not touching ends on this podcast. Oh, God. Wow. That was very Hulk Hogan there in the sex tape. Yeah. Um, title fight, John Riel Casamero, Rafe, will defend his WBO interim bantamweight strap against Cesar Ramirez. Is there any uh, P-noise in this? Yeah, Casimero, man. John Riel, he he was in the, the, the inaugural edition of that Series I do on The Athletic, the little mini oral histories of yes. fights going wrong. I love that. Casimero Lazarte. Just what a crazy brawl after a crazy fight. You know that our guy, Knucklehead Sean, is going to have his paws all over this out there in Manila. Um, look, Casimero can fight. And, and usually this could be one of those sleeper, you know, you, you, you wake up. The next uh, on Monday morning and, and you've caught up on everything. You're like, oh, shoot, there was a good fight out out there, you know, in Manila or wherever it was. And uh, and you go and watch it. It could be this could be one of those sleeper sleeper fights. Rafe, Saturday, Nagoya, Japan. We have a WBO flyweight title bout as Kosi Tanaka defends against Jonathan Gonzalez. Twelve rounds, Ian. Yeah, on that, no TV on this that. is this is not Jonathan Mantequilla Gonzalez, right? So, Jonathan. No. This is flies. Uh, These are the flies, right? Oh some, yeah, no, this is not the the hundred and sixty-nine pound with some Gonzalez guy. Uh, oh, Juan, yeah, speaking of uh, yeah, blowing weight, Brian, what do you think? What do you think of uh, Chavez Junior.'s comeback? You ready for yeah, this? I mean, he fought him, fought the uh, Uber driver that drove him to the arena, but uh, he looked good doing it. I mean, he's ripped right now. So, he um, did. You saw. You saw those briefs, man. He's still rocking the little tiny briefs. Yeah, he can still. He can still fill those out very, very well. All right. I mean, ultimately, though, against two. You, against two. Fine, but you know what they're talking about next. And as a as a as a fan of the slop, I think you might get into this. Chavez Jr. against Angulo on the Spencer right. Porter uh, pay per view card. You're into right? that, right, or maybe like a Fox main event. I'd be hella into that. Um. Saturday in San Juan, Puerto Rico. There's a lot going on this weekend. It's a title bout. Vic Saludar. I don't. Uh, that's not the, the the our bro from um the vo- the uh the boxing voice. Right? No, Vic <laughs> Victor Salazar. Vic Saludar versus Wilfredo Mendez for the WBO strawweight title. Yeah, I don't care, man. All right. Uh, we do care about this. This is probably the second most exciting fight of the weekend. Austin, Texas, on Saturday. Guess who's back, Rafe? Guess who's back? James I'm, Kirkland will take a six-round middleweight main event against Colby Corder. I'm in on this, Rafe. I need a stream. Six rounds? Somebody find me a stream. I need to cross it. Wow. Um. Also, on Sunday in the Philippines, you down for this, Rafe? Kazan City. Rafe, that's your backyard, right? That is my that is my stomping grounds. Is it Araneta? Is it Araneta Coliseum? Probably. It's Carlos Cesar Penalosa versus Maximino Flores. 12 rounds. Little men flyweights. Is, uh, is Peñalosa a relative maybe of, uh, oh, the Jerry? great Gary Peñalosa? Jerry Peñalosa? Yeah, probably. Rick. Jerry. Yeah. Rick, do they have yeah, Pinoys that, how large are Pinoys? Like, when, Floyd, I mean, I mean, when Manny, Kai Soto, uh, the, the rising, uh, NBA draft prospect is, uh, seven foot one. Oh wow. Is he real Pinoy or partial? 
Or is that not real? I don't know. No, I I, I, his, his dad, Irv, his dad, Irvin, was uh, I used to play pickup with. He and also covered him a little bit when he was a pro. The good friends that covered your daddy, right? Okay, wore that joke out. Let's get it All on. Right. Hey, let's get it out. Let's get it out. This show's over. Oh, one more thing I wanted to tell you, Rafe. Somebody just texted me. Are you ready for this? You you ready, right? Yeah, yeah. Lay it on me. Um, Tokyo-sports.co.jp, which I'm uh, assuming is a Tokyo sports. Sounds like store. some malware coming your um, way. You know Risen, Ryzen, that MMA promotion that allowed Floyd to to box uh, tension? Um, Saki, Karab, Saki Kabara, the CEO, says he's planning something, quote, Really weird for New Year's Eve. Quote, that's not MMA, kickboxing, or pro wrestling, but a new type of competition, end quote. He says he's not working with Floyd or Manny, but is in contact with McGregor and Oscar the Freak de la Hoya. Rafe? So are, that, are, 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 we, are we headed towards some sort of Canelo-McGregor fight? God. What are they going to arm wrestle? What else? What else is left, Rafe? I don't. Yeah, I don't. Uh, they're going to trade. Sh- they're going to sword fight. What are we doing here? <laughs> I'd be into the sword fight. I, Wait, McGregor kind, probably knows a thing swords? or two about that. What kind of swords, really, really, Rafe? Right? <laughs> Stop that crap! Stop it! Stop it! All right. Yes. Um. All right. That's it. I don't. I don't have anything else. Special thanks to Steve Farhood, Rafe. Good luck to you in uh, in Eight Mile territory. Best of luck. Shout out to um, Detroit. Rafe, what have you found out about Detroit yet? Is there a cuisine? Is there bottled water? What is the thing that you should be doing in Detroit? Well, there's a lot of things you should be go- doing in Detroit. You should be going to the Motown Museum. I mean, shoot, all, all the after all the Art LeBeau music I listened to on yes. the West Coast, to go to the go stand in the building where so much of that those classics those oldies were recorded i i can't wait to get down there um you know i think the one of the and, and this is not new to me i've seen this on previous visits here but you know the 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 coney dog the the sort of the the hot basically a chili dog that they sell here that their place you know that is the, their coney restaurants everywhere it's kind of like a diner where they also sell those hot dogs that's kind of like the uh, the nice sloppy, greasy Brian oh, Campbell yeah. experience that, you know, if you ever make it out here to cover uh, anything, maybe, maybe maybe the Masonic Lodge, maybe we get a little, <laughs> yeah, I was gonna we, say. Get, we get some Bradley, uh, some Bradley Devin too. Maybe uh, uh, canine Ishe too in a bare knuckle fight or maybe we'll just hang out by the hot dog truck. You know, we understand what you're doing by the hot dog truck. All right. That's it, Rafe. That's it. Good luck to you in Detroit. Shout out to Omaha, uh, Alex Godinez, all of our fans, all of our listeners. Hey, we're back, okay? We were back with a bang, but the show's over. That's it. Rafe, please take us out of here. What do you got? Oh, man, we out.